0: That's right. No, you are not tripping balls. No one spiked your drink with LSD or PCP or any other mysterious hallucinogenic drugs. That's right. You're hearing my voice, Ben from Animalitia, and I am hosting a new podcast tonight. I know a lot of you are probably sitting around wondering, like, why haven't we been spitting out content at the rate that we used to? You know, we had Bubba on, I introduced him, people were excited. My DMs were blowing up, right? Bubba was back, Bubba was back making content, Animalisha was back after six months. And then we stopped again, but it's only been about a month. So, you're probably surprised, listening on Spotify, Apple iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or any other major podcasting platform that you're getting this content on, you're probably sitting there wondering where we've been and what we've been doing. And you know what? Honestly, I could sit here and I could go on and on about all this shit I'm calling out on people. The shit I'm calling out on people that have a big position of power, whether it's the globalist Illuminati, whether it's Bill Gates. Whether it's simply a horde of mentally ill Billie Eilish fans. I could sit here, I could go down the list. But quite frankly, I need to retire this bit. Because I've got other things to talk about. And I'm sick of getting credit, giving credit to these bastards, right? It, like, why are we talking about that? Why are, we, why are we giving them the attention? Okay, they're not paying me. I am not getting checks, signed to Militia from any of these people. So why am I giving them free publicity and free promotion, right? I know it doesn't make any sense, but I digress. And what I want to inform our listening public of is the reason that we haven't been doing the show is because we've gotten so busy. Jake's been busy. Ian's been busy got a lot of projects on my hands and a lot of exciting news to share in the near future. We'll get to that later, but the important thing is I return. I'm still here and tonight's episode we have yet another surprise. That is two surprises in a row. Bubba was the previous surprise and tonight's episode, the episode immediately after the episode with Bubba in which he was a surprise i present to you another surprise so that is two surprises in a row will there be a third you will just have to stick around and find out i can't give you a timeline you know there uh, i'm there's a lot of uh, a lot of things going on you know there's a target on my back sometimes you know things get pretty intense pretty hairy pretty stressful so I don't know, maybe I'll do another episode tomorrow, maybe it will be three months from now. But you're just gonna have to keep paying attention to Animalitia. Again, Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Stitcher, Listen Notes, all of that shit. Just just check it every single day. Like put it in your morning routine, right? You wake up, you go, you start your pot of coffee, you go back to bed, whatever, like drink your coffee. Like, don't check your DMs. Don't check your Snapchat. Don't check your, your Facebook notifications of who shared what. Go check Animalitia on all of our podcasting platforms and our social media pages, including Instagram. At Animalitia on Instagram. We are also in the Twitter, Twitter sphere. We have yet to start any public beefs with any celebrities, um, but maybe we will. I'm not running that shit Bubba is. So pay attention. He's an entertaining guy. He's a fun guy. So see what he does. But uh, yeah, um, at Animalisha on Instagram, at uh, Ben Arndt on Instagram. If you want to contact me directly, I might respond. I might block you. It depends on the content uh, that you send me. But anyways, I am excited to be back. But before we begin tonight's episode we have a message from our sponsors. Do you ever get drunk or hungover? Then the Animalitia Hangover Elixir might be perfect for you. Now you might ask, what's different from our product compared to other hangover products on the market? Well, let me tell you. The difference is I will actually tell you what's in our product. It starts off with a dash of beta-alanine. For those of you who don't know, beta-alanine is an amino acid That's nerve-sensitive, so it perks up your neurotransmitters, makes you feel good. It's combined with beetroot powder. Beetroot powder increases nitric oxide levels in your blood, which increases oxygen flow. Beneficial for your central nervous system, cardiovascular system, yada yada, etc, etc. And it's all bound together with carbon dioxide mineral water. And I don't quite know the science behind it, but simply put, it just hydrates you better so stop all that other shit stop all this college stuff you know what hangover is going to what hangover cure is going to be better you know that this is going to be better than all of them we've tested it we've sampled it we have the data you've seen it before you've seen the videos the evidence is out there so let me ask you one thing why are you hesitating in purchasing this product, right? You've seen the results. We're going to keep using this. We're going to keep showing you the results until you just go and get this. Because why suffer with a hangover, right? We all party. We have a good time. We want to go out with our friends. Why feel like shit in the morning when it's not an, it's an option to not feel like shit? Now, I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm not going to lie to any of you people. Are there other ways to cure a hangover? Sure, absolutely. But this, this is how you cure your hangover with Animalitia. All right, so got a lot of stuff to discuss tonight. But first, I have a very exciting surprise on tonight's episode. I've been bringing some new people into this company, into this organization, and I have yet another new face to introduce to the Animalitia audience, our new creative director, Cameron Hernandez. Cameron, please introduce yourself to our 10,000 plus listeners.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, hello, all animal listeners, specifically those in India and the beautiful women of Turkey. I am absolutely thrilled to be on board and you will know why very soon. Thank you, Ben.
0: Yeah. Brilliant! Uh, I really appreciate you giving that shout out to India and Turkey. Um, Terrific people, great individuals. We're just we're so happy that you guys are interested in the things we talk about. So, you know, to get things rolling here, um, let you know uh, how did we meet? Like, tell everyone how. How we met, because it was kind of random, and it was kind of um, recently, you know, just out of the blue, but um, what events fell into place that um, led you to Animalitia?
1: Awesome. Well, it's a great question, Ben, and it is a pretty interesting story. I'm going to keep it pretty simple for you, but essentially, I am a student at the University of Minnesota, and about two or three months ago, this was later this summer, uh, I was... At the frat. And it was like a typical Saturday night. You know what I mean? There's some people, there's always going to be some random people who come by. you never never going to know who they are. And I remember there was a guy who I think looks just like Kirk Cousins, but like nobody just agrees with me from 1,000, Land of its 10,000 takes. What's his name again? Uh, his name is Jake. Jake. Jake came by and Jake had come by to our Halloween party the year before. It was the middle of COVID. There was 300 people there. I have no idea how that happened. Also, it was a great party. And I remember Ben was there this night, and he was just with him. And I introduced myself to Jake. I'm like, oh, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. They're out in the patio. You know, we're drinking, hanging out. And I start talking to Ben, and it comes out he's an author. And I start getting interested because I'm a slut for words, as you'll find out. And Ben and I start bullshitting. Apparently, he's into horror. Apparently, he has a podcast. Apparently, he has a production company. And as someone whose interests are very aligned with that, I got to say from there, it was kind of a natural connection. I know Ben and I pretty much just hit it off from there. We met pretty soon after, and then, you know, lo and behold, I'm sitting here on this podcast right now, and uh, I wouldn't rather be anywhere
0: else, Ben. Badass. Well, it is great to have you here. It is great to uh, get this started. We've talked about this for a while, and now that the holidays have come and gone, we can continue to move forward here. So, why don't you start by uh, telling our listening audience a little bit about yourself, the things you're into, the things you're passionate about, and sort of like what drew you um, into our our uh, organization here, so to speak.
1: For sure, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, like I said earlier, um, I go to the U, and I'm a communications major in CLA, which translation I'll be under an overpass after college. Point being, <laughs> I, I like I like art, I like creativity, I like words, specifically when it comes to film, specifically when it comes to stories, specifically when it comes to any sort of performance. And so, you know, when I met Ben, like I said, it kind of, you know, sparked a light in me because film is my number one thing. I'm a journalist as well. I really just like writing, but horror is my number one thing. I love things that are, that are fucked up that you're, quote unquote, not allowed to talk about. And I feel like the brand that, you know, you listeners you know, are here for is that sort of, you know, let it fly nature that uh, is very much uh, akin to,
0: to why I'm here and to, to who I am. That's awesome. I love it. Love to have you on board you say something interesting. You talk about being a journalist. And I want to hit on this because, so, you know, some people, Jake and I have called ourselves independent journalists. And some people have questioned that. They've I don't know. I feel like they're questioning the integrity of that statement. Like, mm-hmm. how do you consider yourself a journalist? Well, here's the thing. Like, it isn't me. It's all the other podcasters out there. It's basically... Anyone with a podcast considers themselves a journalist, and as people drop out of CNN and Fox, they look for alternative sources to get their news. They want someone to tell it how it is, you know? They they don't want manufactured information that fits a narrative. They want those unfiltered takes that just expose all sides of everything. Mm -hmm. Well, so every podcaster thinks they're a fucking journalist now, Here's the moment when I decided to call Jake and I independent journalists when we did an interview with a vice presidential candidate during the 2020 presidential election, which was arguably the craziest election in this country's history. Things got pretty hairy. Things got pretty crazy that year. I don't need to remind everybody. And we interviewed a candidate who was on the ballot in all 50 states plus Puerto Rico. So the second that this this horror and entertainment and football podcast from some, some hick town in southern Minnesota did a political interview during the presidential election, that was when I decided to give myself, and Jake as well, the title of Independent Journalists. And I feel like on this podcast, I go out into the world and I observe what's happening, And I report back to you who are listening. That makes me a journalist. Let me ask you something, Cameron. If I told you that, say, in the city of Las Vegas, there was this 200-mile-long system of tunnels where these mole people lived, right? These people who were homeless in the city encouraged them to live underneath the streets in this system of tunnels— And it invited criminal and occult activity, and it was rumored for years. And say there was someone with a podcast who went in there and got videographic evidence of this place and did an investigation of it. Would you consider that person a journalist?
1: Um, In short, yes. However, it's an important distinction. You said this is in Vegas, correct?
0: Yes, Las Vegas.
1: Now, I think you would, as an independent journalist, have a very hard time differentiating the underground sort of cesspool um, from the above ground one. And so I think your credibility would take a hit because um, Vegas is kind of a mole festering town all around. And so maybe it would be the lighting would be a Mm -hmm. little shittier. But I think if you go down there, you have a microphone and you have a genuine curiosity to you. Uh, I think you could absolutely pass as a a credible journalist. Now, the question of, are people just going to think you are making up a fictional underbelly of a city that is quite literally an underbelly to the country? Now, that's that's a different question. But absolutely, if there is curiosity, if
0: there is sincere intent, you, my friend, are a journalist. Thank you. So it's official right here, right now. I am a journalist. I'm an independent journalist. Because while I am crawling through... The secret tunnels of Las Vegas, putting myself in danger to bring visual and audio content to you, anybody who's willing to listen to it or watch it. What do we got on the local news when they're not trying to stir the pot between people? Oh, ton- tonight's breaking news is... A majority of Minnesota citizens prefer hot pink to bright pink. Oh, 74, like, fuck off. Like, this, uh, they're either trying to stir the pot and piss people off, or it's just nonsensical nonsense. Like, I want to report on the real things happening in this world. So that makes me a journalist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, plain and simple. So Absolutely. I, th- I, I can't you- disagree. I you- can't disagree with You that. brought up a great point with the journalism thing. And I really, that was something I wanted to get off my chest. So if anybody has an issue with that, if you don't think I'm, uh, you know, we're not credible journalists here at Animalitia, uh, you know, let me know. Just uh, send me a message on, uh, you know, Instagram at Animalitia or at Ben Arndt um and yeah just let us know and we will read your comments over the air next episode whether they're good or bad and um yeah you know um, also shout
1: out the uh, mole people living under vegas um you know we've been sending y'all food and water and shit i don't know if it's been getting to you but we care about you we think your experiences is valid and i don't care if the mainstream media doesn't want to cover it your stories will be told eventually. I just want to say that real quick. If
0: it doesn't benefit them, they don't care. If it doesn't benefit their puppet master, they don't care. Mm-hmm. This it's just a game. It's, you know, Plato's allegory of the cave. I've I've beaten that dead horse <laughs> into the ground over and over again, but I'm not going to do it again. Everyone here knows what I'm talking about. But let's move on to some other stuff here. So, film, entertainment. These are things you're passionate about or these factual statements? I would uh I would uh hesitantly confirm. Yes. All right. <laughs> Excellent. So, you know, I want to talk about you know, we talked about uh Halloween, right? Mhm. Did you see that? Did you end up seeing
1: it? I did. Halloween Kills, the new yeah. one. Yeah that's the thing about uh any 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 horror movie that comes out I'm probably going to see it um especially when it comes to like i big IPs like that like slasher films yeah I have a I know in the back of my mind it's probably going to be horseshit. yep but god damn it if I'm not going to be the first one at the theater or I know for this one it was like on Peacock and shit like that yeah. um I am I'm, I'm with it I thought it was it had it was a violent the most recent one, it was a, it was a good it had a good violence in it for a halloween movie I like David David Gordon Green, I think, as a director. Um, I like what he did in Pineapple Express. It's not a complete movie, though. The movie is very obviously setting up a trilogy, and because it's the second installment, it feels incomplete. The kills are good. There's a few decent. I, there's one plot point that I like. Have you seen Halloween Kills? I did, yeah. There's a plot. I like the plot point of if you recall the scene, like the mid, mid point of the movie when they're in the hospital and they think that one guy is Michael Myers, the yeah. guy in the, he's, he's not though, right? Yep. And so they're chasing him around. They're right. like, clearly an angry mob allegory and he jumps out and he fucking kills himself. Spoilers for Halloween kills. Go fucking see it. If you <laughs> also don't, it's not that much worth it. This is way more entertaining to talk about it. And like, I thought that allegory worked, although the movie itself, um, like I said, it fell flat as an independent movie. I thought if you're going to watch The 2018 Halloween, Halloween Kills, and then whatever the third one is in sequence, I think it it functions that way, but I think as its own movie, it didn't necessarily hold up. The kills are good. It's graphic as shit. I like the scene, uh, the opening with Michael uh, when he's walking out of the house. All the firefighters are coming at him, and he's fucking him up, and he's putting the buzz on. I like that sort of shit, but at the end of the day, I I didn't think the story was that sustaining necessarily, but at the end of the day, it could have been much worse, but it more so could have been a lot better. Yeah.
0: I agree, think, I agree 100%. That was a great point. So I'm going to uh, jump right to what you brought up. Uh, the scene with the guy in the hospital, everyone thought he was Michael Myers, and he jumped to Even though to he's, death. like, fucking two
1: feet tall, and he's, like, legit fucking hobbit, like, fat as shit. Right. Like, how are you going to mistake that as Michael Myers? Right. And I
0: thought... <clears throat> so when that happened, I, I mean, I actually felt something. Like, I was like, oh, man, this, this poor guy, mm-hmm. like, these people they're out of their minds and like people need to think clearly and like I realized I'm actually thinking and feeling something legitimately and it most movies don't do that Mm -hmm. especially horror yeah so like I think that was good from an artistic standpoint I agree I felt sympathy for that guy and it starts to make you realize like Michael Myers evil Michael Myers evil he's all evil when you realize like It isn't just the killing Mm -hmm. and the murders and the gruesomeness that is evil. It is when you get, uh, it's the tribalism of the people, right? The town people, like they start to get afraid and paranoid and they stop thinking clearly. And then they, they listen to each other and they're all mad in the head. Mm -hmm. And now this, they're evil because of him. And now you've got a mob of evil people. And this innocent guy who legitimately had some type of mental issue now jumps to his death, mm-hmm. like it was. Uh, it was interesting because a mm-hmm. lot of movies just don't do that often. That's probably the only positive thing I'll give it. <laughs> yeah. um, I liked, a sort of, in the beginning of it. They sort of tried to continue from the nineteen seventy eight John Carpenter film. And they filmed it even in the same style. It sort of had a grindhouse-looking aspect. Mm -hmm. And they kind of, you know, they jumped. um, The scene of walking out of the fire looks cool. Everything else was pure garbage in that. Like, it was almost a parody of itself. Like, how many times are like, evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. I mean, we've seen memes, we've seen videos all over the Internet, people making fun of it, mocking it. But, like, I was literally in there in the theater watching it, and I was like, this is so bad. Like, is this a joke? Like, is this serious? And, like, I literally had to ask it because it was so terrible and Mm -hmm. so obvious, like, how bad it was. And, like, it was meant to be serious just to set up the trilogy. And here's the thing. I walked out. Knowing that I probably wouldn't like the movie. I wasn't huge on the one before that. But I grew up on that franchise. is one of the th- things that inspired me creatively. So Halloween and Michael Myers is like Terminator. Mm. I will destroy every remake and reboot they ever try to do. But no matter how many they do, and no matter how shitty the one before it was, I will continue to see them just for the sake of like it's a part of my childhood and creative inspiration so like yeah i don't know i'm kind of giving them what they want you know
1: right i feel like feeding uh,
0: their cash cow
1: exactly i feel like what you just said exactly is like every every hollywood producer is like jerking off as you say (laughs) that right because like that's exactly what they do is like I don't think that when they're pushing and like here's the thing, David Gordon Green is a talented filmmaker and like you bring up the Last Halloween too, like yeah. whatever you think about the Halloween franchise, like Danny McBride, who's a really funny comedian, really good actor, also wrote co-wrote the Last Halloween, so it's not like there's not talent on board, right? But I mean, and I'm not a I'm not a Hollywood yep. producer, but I do I understand like it's pretty much what you said. They know that they're not putting out this shit's not Oscar bait, mm-hmm. right. and it's not trying to be Oscar bait. But at the end of the day, it makes money because right. you remember Halloween. We uh-huh. all remember. We always love the score and shit. And the score is good, too. And they actually, I will give the movie credit because yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was very, very cut and dry. It was did not uh, surprise me at all except for that one midsection that we referenced with the hospital. Yeah. But the score, they revamped the score. And that shit sounds good, dude. They definitely, from like a, the, the movie has the tits and glitter to be released in theaters, right? right. Like it is a polished production. It is a competent film. Yeah. In terms of the story, though, like I say, they're completely, and this is a cold, the coldest take you'll ever hear, of course they're relying on the IP, but guess what? It makes fucking money. This movie it's, made a shit ton of money so of the last one, and so will the next one. It's moved beyond
0: uh, a franchise, and it's become a brand. One oh, are you fucking and kidding me? 100%. I mean, like, so my dad's like 69, and like, he was down to go see it with me. Like, my dad doesn't watch horror films, but like- he knows Michael Myers and Halloween because, mm-hmm. like, that shit was in theaters when he was young. Mm-hmm. The original. Right. So, like, you know, for my dad, someone who's almost in their 70s, to be like, hey, like, I want to see this Halloween film. Mm-hmm. You know, like, my dad wouldn't be texting me being like, hey, let's go see this new Purge film or, yeah. like, whatever. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's yeah, it's a cash cow, you know? And, um, so let's go back to the franchise. So, the one before this, which would be the first in this new trilogy, what what was that one called? Halloween. It was just Halloween. Oh, Halloween, okay. So the pro okay, Jamie Lee Curtis returning, that was cool. And the way she aged and all that. I didn't really like the story that much, and the reason why is have you seen Halloween H two O from nineteen ninety eight? I've seen I think every single Halloween movie, okay. I think. So I actually think storyline-wise, that was a good movie because the whole thing was like, it was 20 years later. Right. She had a son. He was coming for her son. Uh, Good 90s nostalgia. You know, Josh Hartnett was in it. um, And to be correct, too, that was,
1: correct me if I'm wrong, was that not the first Halloween movie, H2O, where they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis? Correct. So that was like a big thing. Well, I, I could be wrong, but like, that was I remember that being one of the yeah, big yep. selling points. when he was Like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is back. So people are like, yep. oh, this shit's legit. Like, they're actually like doing something with a story yep. here. Like, it's not the fucking cult of Michael Myers or some bullshit like that. Which yep. I, honestly, the, that Halloween four I think is the curse. Of, the one where there's a cult of Michael Myers. You remember right, that one? Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, supposed to be like not. It's not supposed to be technically a part of the films, but like those are the type of movies like between Halloween the first one, like yep. the original John Carpenter and H two O. Yep. You know. I don't think anyone gave a shit other than that it was, well, it was Halloween. Like, you know, you're like your dad, like whoever, he's like, oh, well, it's the IP. But then H2O was supposed to be, and you can take
0: it away, but supposed to be that like, no, we're back now. Right. Right. And Resurrection followed. I'm going to say a controversial statement because this is what we do on Animalitia. <laughs> we tell it how it is. That's right. Resurrection, it's a joke. You know, people laugh at it how bad it was. It was the sequel to Halloween H2O. Jamie Lee Curtis gets killed in the beginning. Michael Myers goes to the. So let me break this down. Spoiler alert. This fucking movie came out in like the year 2000. Dude, I was really going to watch it tonight. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) All of you can get fucked. Okay. I'm not spoiling anything. Anyway, spoiler alert. So the end of Halloween H2O Michael Myers is pinned between a tree and Jamie Lee Curtis takes an axe and chops his head off. He's mm. dead for good, but now there's resurrection, right? In the early 2000s. How's he survived that? Well, it turns out he escaped from this ambulance wreck and he put his mask on another guy dressed similar. So she chopped off the head of a guy that wasn't Michael Myers, and he did that intentionally. So she gets arrested for murder and thrown in a mental institution because she tells the officers, like, no, she's trying to kill her brother because he's been trying to kill her for 20 brother, like, years. She's fucking crazy. Right. You lock her up. So she's in a mental institution, high security, and uh, fucking... Um, and she's paranoid and she's citing all her pills and medication in this doll and she's all <laughs> creepy and old. And he comes right. in one night and she called out and they get into a scuffle on the roof of this building and he ends up killing her. And she says, see you in hell, Michael. And and then so anyways, he goes back to the house in Haddonfield, which is abandoned. And then there's some like Internet TV show. And this is, like, back when there's like, Blackberries and shit, so it's <laughs> kind of funny to watch now because it's so, like, back then it was, like, high-tech and, like, right. all gadgety, but, like, now it's, like, laughable. you like, damn, how- this movie's got MySpace in it? Like, oh, my God, they're cutting-edge as fuck. <laughs> oh, it's, like, even before that. Now you'd have, like, GoPros and, like, legitimate, like, you know cell phone like applicate. it's kind of funny to watch now bianca Kailick was a star in it busta rhymes oh that's right busta relevant, rhymes dude which he was hilarious by <laughs> the way and so there's a reality show where these people got to stay in this house that michael myers grew up in that's abandoned and haunted and mm-hmm. they try to do some stir up some scares for the internet show and then michael myers turns out to actually be there it's really campy. It's really dumb sounding. It actually is not a bad film. And I would agree. Everyone on the internet is going to disagree with me. So I think you.
1: it's endearing. You're I think right. it's um, it's just uh, risky enough to where as to anyone who says this is stupid, why the fuck would you take it in this direction? I'm like, honestly, just the fact that they risked something at this point. Like, yeah, it's a little campy, and maybe it's a little. People are like, oh, it's pandering to the shit. This is Michael My dude it's like this is the fucking what 97th fucking halloween movie like can they just are they allowed to like throw like a new premise on it like i appreciated the movie for what it was i thought the premise was worth the price
0: of admission if that right um yep totally so i actually don't think that's a bad movie it was entertaining i saw it in the theater i had a good time so now let's go to rob zombie Dude. yeah i was i was about to take it there too i have some i have some shit So his reimagining of the original, from an artistic standpoint, not a personal one, I think it is great. He gives a backstory to Michael Myers that wasn't done before. And you learn about the trauma he endured as a child and what led him to be a serial killer. In the beginning of the film, you have sympathy for him, even though he's the evil one. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the second half of the film is basically a complete remake of the 1978 original. A complete remake. and Like, there's some shots that he's, like, direct with it. And it's done well. And I think combining those two elements together was a unique way to reboot a franchise. Mm -hmm. I think he did a great job. Now, the sequel to that, Halloween Two, in my opinion, is the perfect Michael Myers movie. Why? So... First of all, the beginning of it is just epic and brutal. Um, it shows Laurie Strode, uh, what she do. She shoots him at the end of the, the original. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of the second takes off right in that spot. And she's traumatized. Her friends are dead. She's covered in blood. She's holding the gun. And it shows her in graphic detail going to the hospital and getting stitched up. And you're watching the surgeries and shit. It's very brutal and realistic, which Rob Zombie does in his films. And he comes to the hospital, Michael Myers, that is, to uh, come for her again. And she's got to escape. And it's intense. It is terrorizing. It's, I like uh, that sequence. Uh, uh and, you know, Rob Zombie kind of has that grindhouse type of effect. Oh, God, yeah. That's who crime-y. Rob Zombie is. Yep. Uh, it's great. And, I mean, like, her trying to go down the stairwell with, like, the IVs in her and her leg in a cast. And there's, like, blood splattered on the wall. And mm-hmm. she's got to turn and go the opposite direction. Right. And going around all these corners in the hospital. Brilliant filmmaking. And then she wakes up and it's... Uh, uh, a night terror and it brings you into Lori Strode's world of where she is a traumatized young woman who survived this massacre and she's severely mentally ill and Michael Myers is basically in her head ruining her relationships she's going to therapy so it's a very realistic take on right. what it would actually do to someone to be in a situation like that Mm-hmm. And you've got this situation with Michael Myers where he's... We don't quite know what's going on. I know it was a remake, but I don't remember the original enough to know how much of it was verbatim. But he's traveling across um, you know, the landscape trying to make it home, and he's got these delusions in his head um, of his deceased mom who killed herself because of what he did and... Her angelic form is basically coming to him in his delusional psychosis, and she's telling him that he's got to come home to her and he's got to bring the sister there and they can be a family. And like this is sort of like what he wants. Mm-hmm. So, as he's traveling across the landscape, he's killing everyone and he's on this murder spree, and it's, it's, um, not quite said exactly what his motive is, but it's implied that he's got to kill Laurie Strode and all of them will be together when they're dead. Mm -hmm. This is all based on a delusional psychosis of his mom because he's got mom issues. Right. It's actually very interesting. And the end of it with uh, the guns in the cabin and they accidentally shoot Laurie Strode and... And they all end up sort of dead and it's, it, it's, it's emotional, but it's kind of like intense and kind of hardcore too. Mm-hmm. I, 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 think it was the perfect Halloween movie. I think it's incredibly underrated. Um, shout out to Tyler Maine. I think he did a great Michael Myers too. I would agree with that. And, um, he brought great physicality to the mm-hmm. role. You really, um, here's what I'll say
1: is like, uh, when it comes to Rob Zombie, like yeah. I, uh, I, I take it you're a fan of Rob Zombie. No.
0: um, Really? So I think he's artistically good. Um, Actually, a really cool guy, like, super nice guy, if you've Mm -hmm. ever heard him on Joe Rogan. Yeah, Um, Zombie's
1: a great interview.
0: Yeah, so some of his movies are good. There's elements that are good. So Rob's, uh, so there's two things, two sides to him. The one thing he does that I hate, that I hate about horror, just the reason I write it and I want to get into it and film it is it's shock for the sake of shock. Mm -hmm. Everything's got to be as disgusting as possible as like gory, as sexual, as, just disgusting as possible to stir that up in you. Right. Which it's just kind of
1: all punchline, no setup in my right, opinion, exactly. which I, he, Rob Zombie can yep. pull off
0: gratuity. He can, and but sometimes it's way too much. Well,
1: like, here's the thing the opening yeah. scene, the first Halloween, the first Rob Zombie Halloween, yep. like the opening scene where you're like meet Michael Myers, right, right? Is like that fucking, he's at the dinner table or something like that. And like, this is the first line of dialogue you get in the movie. It's like, it's like the, the shitty dad stepdad. He's like, you're a fucking cunt bitch. And they're like arguing yeah. and shit. I'm like, Okay, like, I get it. You're painting that they're in a broken family. Right. I understand that. But, like, bro, like you got to lube us up a little bit if you want this shit to hit. Not that I don't understand what you're trying to do, but, like, you know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. hitting as effectively if you're just jumping right, right into, like, the griminess of it, right? Right.
0: So I felt that was sort of a realistic um, portrayal for that specific movie. So, like, where I'll criticize him is, um, like, Devil's Rejects or House of a Thousand Corpses. Mm. So Devil's Rejects, it's a great story. I mean, it's brutal. It's disgusting. I get it. It's an interesting, it's an action horror film. And the first one, House of a Thousand Corpses, is a straight up like Texas Chainsaw Massacre fanboy tribute movie Mm -hmm. that's even more brutal and disgusting. Right. Um, and that's the purpose. Devil's Rejects is interesting because it's more of an action film mixed with that. And the character arc and all of that is there. But um, it makes you feel something, which is he's an artist, so he's succeeding. But there's a point where it's like, all right, so this Otis character is sticking this gun to this woman's head and making her give him a blowjob. Would this movie have been effective without that? And it's like, yes, because you've developed these characters. So, like, this scene is thrown in there just to, like, piss you off and just for the sake of being gross and making it disgusting. And that's the shit that I really hate about horror. Mm-hmm. But he is the guy who can pull it off. Mm-hmm. So then there's films like 31. Have you seen that? I have not. Okay. So it It's a Rob starts- Zombie movie. Yeah. yeah. So it starts off with this epic cold open, which I've always loved. I've written a lot of cold opens in my films and shit. And uh, there's a really good villain and grimy and gritty and like just like the cold open sets up so much. And the plot's really simple like the way it's advertised it's a group of people in a carnival. And they get trapped in this, like, satanic... uh In this underground thing of this, like, satanic group of carnies. Mm-hmm. And they're all clowns, you know? And they make them play a fucked-up game, and they gotta survive it. Okay. Really simple, and, like, knowing Rob Zombie's style, like, the Groundhouse style, and just creepy, methed-out killer clown and right. a hostage situation. How are you fucked that up? And... It's so, the emphasis is just on the violence and the disgustingness that it falls flat. Mm. And it was a shame because the beginning you got this villain that, it, I wonder if I can, here, hold on. I wonder if I can play the clip. Should, <laughs> should we go for it?
1: Let's like, do it. Is it, it 31?
0: Is this a more recent movie that he made? 31 is about two or three years old.
1: Okay, so it is one of his more recent movies. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. Alright, so and while you're pulling it up too, you know, you mentioned uh you know, Rob Zombie, I think it was one of the movies you mentioned is like a Texas Chainsaw like homage. Yep. I've always thought that Rob Zombie, instead of making the Halloween franchise, would have done numbers in remaking Texas Chainsaw. And I know that there are movies coming out before and after that, but I, I think a, a Rob Zombie Texas chainsaw is right up his alley and Though I appreciate the yeah. Halloween attempt, I think Texas Chainsaw is much more his style,
0: and I right. would still see a, a Texas Chainsaw Rob Ma- Zombie movie to this day. Interesting. So, you know, he's redoing the monsters. Is he really? Yeah, he's making a movie <laughs> with his style. I think that could be interesting. It could be interesting. Yeah. All right. So, let's see here. All right. Let me make sure I got the right one. And to our listeners, I don't know if y'all
1: are uh, Rob Zombie fans, but uh, personally, I know whatever Ben says about him, I probably agree. I respect Rob Zombie a lot, simply because of his balls as a creative. I think he's just willing to go for the throat. Um, The subtlety is probably where I differ, but all in all, Ben's about to show you this clip. I I fuck with Rob Zombie. Rob, if you're listening, I know you are. I fuck with you. You're a creative. You're a purist. And you make whatever the hell you want to make. I'm going to see it. But that's the beauty of art. You know, we've all got our different takes. I prefer a little... He does a little too too much of the close-up grindhouse for my feel, but I fuck with Rob Zombie, for the record.
0: Yeah. I will watch anything he puts out. Um, you know, they made a th- uh, a third movie to Devil's Rejects, right? Oh, was it Threes? Three from Hell. Three from Hell,
1: yeah. That was... Okay, who was the actor, uh, the main... The guy, like, the Sid Haig that died. Yeah, he passed away. Yep. Didn't he pass away during production? Yep. That's so fucking sad. I know, um... Do you feel that the movie suffered because of that? And I mean that in the so, most, like, pure way possible. I feel
0: like they in, they tied it in in a perfect way. Mm-hmm. And it actually made the story really relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good. So, they were making it. He died. And then in the story, so, the end of Devil's Rejects, they all get shot down in a car, uh, like a right, Right, a Thelma shootout. and Louise Energy. Yeah. Right. They died. They all got shot, like, 20 times. Mm-hmm. So... And I was like, okay, how do you do... Devil's Rejects was a good film. I'm like, how do you make a sequel? And they all died at the end, right? And then... So they chose them all going to the hospital. And it's got that really good grindhouse feel to it. And it's all, like, really brutal looking. And then... Uh... And it, it explains it. And it doesn't really fasten to the point. And it's like, somehow, like, supernaturally, like... They were shot fifteen times, and they're all in life support. And that, yeah. like, they, somehow they sold it, and they got like right to the point. And then they're like Sid Hagg's character. They're like uh, Captain Spalding did not make it, and he did die this morning in the ICU. Mm-hmm. Only baby and Otis have survived, and like they did it like a cat. Mm-hmm. It it worked for the story, and there's a couple scenes in that film that are fucking sick though like really good and then a lot of it's just really bad
1: yeah i would agree i think there's uh there's some bright spots in it too i've seen oh, three okay. from hell here's the thing about here about how yeah. three from hell is like because it's supposed to be the last movie right. of that trilogy mm-hmm. and like this is uh again another cold take but bro losing sid hag i mean that shit he was a key part of that dynamic you could argue the star of it i would argue the star he was the right number one hot ticket
0: uh, of the three right and for fans i've i've heard nothing but great things about him as a person oh yeah like, just like the nicest guy ever
1: nicest guy ever yeah. like
0: i heard this is maybe bullshit i thought i heard this he would make he like made a kid cry on set and he like did some
1: sort of like thing to like make it up like yep. while he's like covered in blood and like doing this fucked up <laughs> scene right like you know rest, rest in peace to sid hag um yep. but i think in terms of three from hell like no shit losing him definitely killed the dynamic of the movie because now you just have the two others you have sherry moon's character and then the other i forget the names um, yeah. but the other guy, you know, who had the fucked up scene in Three from Hell. Yeah, they they are functioning parts of that trilogy, that trio. But I mean, yeah, Sid Haig, Sid Haig yeah.
0: was that trio, and he le- he was a leader. But that fight. So when they have baby in the, j- the jail cell, and like they send those like two butch women down to like mm. kill her. And then she's like laughing, the security guard smoking the cigarette Mm -hmm. and she just hears like all this violence and shit and she goes down and the baby's just fucking standing there and like their bodies are mutilated and she killed all these both these hardcore women with like a key. Like that part was so cool. Like Mm -hmm. that was that was insane. All right, so let me play this cold open from thirty one. So this is the main villain. This is how the movie starts, right? All right, let's see here. Hey.
2: Well, some mysterious folks that pay me a whole lot of scratch to do what I do.
0: All right, so this is like this skinny meth head looking guy in clown makeup, and he looks scary as fuck. For some reference,
2: unfortunately for you, <laughs> I do real well.
0: He's got this guy tied to a chair, held hostage in like this leaky basement sewer thing.
2: Let's get one thing between us straight. I ain't no fucking clown. Now Mr. P.T. Barnum may claim clowns are the pegs on which this circus is hung. But I ain't no Now, you may think you see a grease-painted performer sitting before you who would usually elicit an amused response from an audience. But trust me, you do not. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not here to brighten your dismal day. And I am certainly not here to elicit an amused response. I am here to end your miserable
1: fucking life. See, that's good. Like, when I think of that, because that was 31, right? Yep. So I haven't seen the movie, and like, that kind of gives me an idea, and like, this is why I fuck with Rob Zombie, and um, maybe why some people don't, is like, Rob Zombie always put, because he writes his movies too, he always puts just enough, and I mean just enough, philosophy to be like, all right, now I get to the blood and killing. Right, Right, right. Right, like, just one good monologue, maybe one good exchange where you're like, okay, there's something more to this. Oh now, motherfuckers are getting raped and like tortured and like right, shit right. like that, like cock and ball. I'm like, yep. okay, I fuck with that personally, yeah. and I know not everyone does. Personally, yeah. I will. That's like you said. I will always be there for a Rob Zombie movie because I know it's going to be, I know it's going to be unique. Right. I know it's going to have his stamp on it. But like I said, he's always like, all right, I've set it up. This is like the human uh, concept I play. Now get to the fucking gratuity. And like honestly, dude, like fuck it. Like so, if he makes shorter movies. I'll fuck with it. Yes, I like Rob uh, Zombie for that.
0: So that cold open was killer. So like mm-hmm. the visual of that is it's like black and white grindhouse in a sewer with the water dripping if you hear it. And it's like, it's so intense. And mm-hmm. like that, that actor, like, God, delivery was fucking, fucking kills on point. it. Like I see that in the very first time I saw it and I'm like, man, I, holy shit, I am excited. I can't, this is going to fucking blow it out of the water. And like the rest of it just deflates. And the big problem with that film, I think, is the people you're cheering for, like the heroes in it, so to speak, the ones who got to survive this satanic game or whatever, they're lame. There's nothing likable about it. Like mm-hmm. Sherry Moon Zombie's the most likable. She doesn't really have enough character. There's like a couple guys with her, and they're lame as fuck. Like there's no reason to invest in them at all. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the direction he was going in was it was just grimy all around. But like if you had a really likable, like a very pretty actress that you like just really innocent and likable or like a guy that had a a goal or some objective and you wanted him to survive. Mm -hmm. If you had someone to root for, that film could have been so sick. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's all it needed. But it was just. Again, um, you know, shit for the sake of shit, which was kind of a bummer because I don't right. know. It is too bad too, and like um, whether it's because that goddamn that I like. I'm a nerd for cold opens, and that guy fucking killed it. Like that set so much shit up, like, right? And then now you're, God, dude, just you're put, engaged, just right? like cast Sylvester Stallone in this and have him go down to the carnival and you know, just like yeah how much to
1: play this game it's like all right sylvester you got to read the lines actually no, but like uh honestly <laughs> hey, when it comes good to
0: boy nice makeup you got on <laughs> <laughs> like
1: you say you're a clown <laughs> i'm not here to amuse you but no when it comes to rob zombie movies the thing i um and this is more like this is kind of uh cheeky but like yeah. i, I he, obviously he's putting he's putting his wife in a lot of these movies sherry moon zombie yep. who's like obviously like very very beautiful actress but like um, and I'm not shitting on Rob Zombie for this because I have to think that I would probably do the same thing of his eye position. But like, if right. I'm a director, right? You Rob Zombie, here's ten million dollars. You wrote the script. Yeah. Cast your wife in it. I mean, bro, he's showing off her. He's showing her off, dude. Like right. there is scenes. It's, he's she's a stripper in the Halloween movies. Like, do uh-huh. you think that shit was by accident, bro? Like, <sighs> and so I think there's a you know I haven't seen Thirty One. Is that what it's called? Thirty yep. One. And, like, she's one of the people in the movie, and, like, I definitely think you talk about, oh, the the character, other than her, I just wasn't that invested in the script. And like, for Rob Zombie, writing it, making it, blah, 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 he's just like, well, my wife's in it, like, she's good to look at, like, you know, we, I know her pretty well. Like, so for him, it's just like, well, this is really entertaining for me, but it's, like, sort of like, it's like, okay, well, that's a almost kind of like an inside joke, almost. It's like, you know, we know your wife's hot, blah, 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 and y'all, you're talented, but at the end of the day, bro, like... I think that's the one that whenever you hear a criticism about Rob Zombie, right? Like, I'm sure you met people like, oh, Rob Zombie fucking sucks, blah, blah, blah. If they know how to argue and if they're able to articulate why that is, it's going to be something along the lines of kind of like what you were saying is like, there's no point to it all. This is fucking stupid. This is just gore and sex and blood for the sake of gore and sex and blood. Yep. And I think that that's, I think that's too black and white. I think Rob Zombie has objectively way more creative merit than people give him credit for. But at the same time, if you are a quote unquote, the average viewer, yeah, I totally fucking get how you're going to shit on Rob Zombie because of his very gratuitous in your face style. But personally, however he goes about it, I I do respect him because it it is unique and he does
0: have a voice to what he makes. You know, he'd be a fun artist to work with. Oh, yeah. He'd be such a cool guy, a chill guy to hang out with. But like, you could kind of see him doing his thing and you could be like, no, 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 no. Okay. So like. Here's how I think you could do this Mm bet. Like you could pitch something like we need a likable character in this. Mm -hmm. Like you got this whole thing. You got the look. You got these elements. You got these scumbag villains. Mm -hmm. We don't have a character to root for. Right. And yeah, of course, Cherry Moon Zombie can be one of them. But we need someone else. We need like some backstory. Mm -hmm. Like we need some good to come out of it. Is there a happy ending? Does good overcome evil? If they're not going to overcome evil... Because it hasn't happened in these other films. Why are we going to invest in it, right? Right. It's just because of the visual gore. Is that it? Let's give the audience both. You know, like, it'd be fun. He'd be a fun person to work with.
1: Absolutely. And like I said earlier, and like, this is something I'll always push for, because I just really think he would make a killer Texas Chainsaw movie. I really do. Yeah. That movie is the perfect, grungy, shitty, like garbage, sweaty. His films are very sweaty to me. Yeah, you can feel the humidity in the fucking those scenes that he puts out, right? And I feel like that's perfect for like that back backwoods Texas, like fucking torture. Like that's Rob Zombie's wheelhouse to me. And like whether it ever happens or not, I will always say like I will be the first motherfucker to
0: buy a ticket to a Rob Zombie Texas Chainsaw movie. All right, what about this? You ready? I'm ready. Rob Zombie does a reboot of The Wizard of Oz. Oh my God, are you shitting me? <laughs> what <laughs> no.
1: the fuck would that even look like, I wonder? I really, I genuinely wonder what a Rob Zombie Wizard of Oz... If they're like, so, Rob Zombie, you have to make it. He's like, all right, all right <laughs> I'll so, do it. All right, so we're directing this, all right? This Obviously, is, this Dorothy is, a- is going to be... Sher- Sherry Moon Zombie is going to be Dorothy.
0: Like, let's be... Unless he's going to go... No, 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 no. Oh my God, hell no. She's going to be the witch? Who The who's good witch. Be? The good witch. She's going to be the good witch. Yeah, because the good witch was like blonde, and she was like loving and middle-aged. Okay. And is this an R... I assume this had to be an R-rated Wizard of oh, Oz, yeah. right? Yep. So, okay. So, so this is our film. We're doing Wizard of Oz. Okay. Rob Zombie's directing it. <laughs> and, like, you know, we're writing it with him. hmm So it's our, our idea, and he's executing it, right? Okay. All right. So, Wizard of Oz. Dorothy's has to be from a broken family. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so... Seriously, uh, I'm going to spit this off the top of my head. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Wizard of Oz, same story, but it's a dark version of it, right? Okay. By the way, shout out one of the best movies ever. Loved it. Yes, sir. And someone (laughs) someone could do something crazy with it. Mm -hmm. All right. So this girl hits her head and she goes to this land, right? You know? No, she gets drugged. Oh, okay. So she gets drugged, or she takes this drug... Maybe it's willingly. She ends up in this this land, right? And let's see the the house is in the tornado, and she kills. Was it a witch she lands on? She kills. Yep the the wicked witch of
1: the east or west. I yeah. forget. Her fucking feet are sticking out. So
0: she's in the this mysterious land. She the house lands on this witch. So now she's wanted for murder, right? <laughs> and she's tripping balls like she just <laughs> took this drug. Is the
1: whole movie a trip? Then is that what you're getting at? No,
0: it's like, um, she was high and then she like woke up and was like, oh my God, I was so fucking high. Like what happened? Like it was af- the aftermath of doing the drug and that's where she is. Right? So are
1: there still Oompa Loompas running around or is that Oh shit? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, like she, the drug transported her. Um, how would you describe it? It created a ripple effect in the space time continuum. As drugs do. <laughs> And she just got trapped there. Okay, like a, but she's
1: like lucid, sober once she's there. Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah. I like it. But the drug itself kind of broke the space-time continuum, and now she's in this land, sober, okay. post-drug overdose <laughs> on this hallucinogenic cactus thing she smoked or whatever. Right. Like, we're not in peyote anymore right. type shit. <laughs> so, you know, she needs a weapon, so she... She crushes this witch. She's wanted for murder, so she's got to run. So she leaves town on this yellow brick road, and she needs a weapons. What's the... Okay, first weapon she sees. Like, anything. Just...
1: In oh, the street, in the road. In the Wizard of Oz movie. You know, I gotta say, it would have to be given to her. I think her weapon could be a person. Because I think, you gotta think of, think the Tin Man, think the Scarecrow.
0: No, this is way before that. This them. is way before, yep. what weapon does she get? Yeah, you know, I'm
1: gonna have to let you take away with that. Because I'm trying to imagine... Well, I, my first question okay. is, you say she's uh, wanted for murder, right? Right.
0: But she's in Oz. So yeah. what do the authorities
1: look like in Oz? They're not just normal police officers. Well, no,
0: Oz is where she travels to, right? Okay. But they, that's a good point. This is getting interesting here. So... Okay, so I'm going to say she breaks off. So the witch is dead, and she's got the slipper. Doesn't she steal the slippers and put fuck them if on if or I something? if I remember. Okay. God damn, it's been a while. <laughs> I think she, because she wears the, does she wear the ruby slippers at the end, or? Dude, honestly, Tom? like, fuck if I can remember. Damn, I got to brush up on my, okay. like. I, can I grab one of your beers? Dude, yeah, you got the shit. Yeah, yeah. go grab. Do, do you want one? Yeah, here. Okay. I uh,
1: actually have to take a piss real quick. Perfect. I'm going to grab both beers for you. You just keep this uh, this okay. I, Wizard of Oz idea. Tom going. and
0: I are going to look this up. All right, all right, Wizard of Oz, Tom. When she don't steal our idea, by the way. All right. <laughs> you do not want to mess with the Animalia legal team, okay? The greatest legal team that's ever I been. I am Tom. Hey, Tom is here. All right. I produced this. Yes. Sound engineer. All right. So the house falls on her. And the witch's feet have the red slippers on. No, she takes the slippers and puts them on, right? She goes down the yellow brick road. Is that how that happens? I haven't seen that
3: movie in a long time.
0: Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Here, hold on. Hey, Alexa. No, just kidding. We don't have one in here. <laughs>
3: um. But, but we're thinking about how Rob Zombie would make a
0: Wizard of Oz movie. Yeah. So I'm trying to, th- God, I got to, okay. Wizard of Oz plot. Wizard of Oz. Okay. I got to just remember the plot of it because I'm mixing some stuff up. Blah blah blah. Fuck. Okay.
3: Well, she starts off in Kansas. There's a tornado, right? Yeah. She goes off to Oz, and then she follows the Olympic Road and meets right. But people along. So the the house. So
0: the house lands on the witch, and she kills the witch. It was like the wicked witch, and there's like the good witch. There's the West and the East witch. And then she's like, "Oh my God, you killed her! Like you gotta get out of here because they're gonna come for you or something." And that leads her to Oz. Let's see here. All right. Is the script done yet? No, we're we're still <laughs> digging into the the shoe thing. <laughs> All
1: right, so. I am back. Where are we right now in this uh Wizard of Oz uh
0: Rob Zombie adaptation? Okay, all right, hold on. I'm on Wikipedia as we speak. All right, let's get some inspiration. Oh, ad for Wikipedia. Did you know that Wikipedia provides information to you on a volunteer
1: are they asking funding for money base? again, yeah, they are. Are they ask? I feel so bad. You, you go on Wikipedia and you, yeah. you're there for one reason and it's like it's kind of like when you are like pulling up to a, like, right. a exit and there's like a homeless guy out there and he like l- makes eye contact with you and you're like, I know I'm not going to give him money, but right. like, damn, do I feel bad. Right. And you just keep scrolling on Wikipedia. Like it's the same feeling. You right, know what right,
3: saying? right. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure.
0: appreciate for a moment how crazy
3: it is that the concept of Wikipedia actually
0: worked. <laughs> I know. Right, right, right. Dude, I hope we get a Wikipedia page. Okay. Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, and the Munchkins welcome her as a heroine as the falling house has killed the Wicked Witch of the East. As the Munchkins celebrate the end of their enslavement by the witch, the Wicked Witch of the West arrives to claim her sister's ruby slippers. Wait, hold on. Oh my god, so she kills the Good Witch. The, the house lands on the Good Witch, and the Wicked Witch comes to take the ruby slippers and glinda transfers the ruby slippers to dorothy's feet the witch swears revenge on dorothy and vanishes glinda wait i thought she died hold on this is confusing. okay okay so glinda's the good witch of the north the house fell in the wicked witch of the east The Wicked Witch of the West comes to take the ruby slippers off of her dead sister. Mm -hmm. And Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, transfers the ruby slippers to Dorothy's feet. The Wicked Witch of the West, who is alive and intact, swears revenge on Dorothy. And her little dog, too. Yes. And Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, tells Dorothy to follow the Yellow Brick Road to Emerald City. And she can ask the Wizard of Oz to help her return home. So obviously there's obstacles in the path of her journey. Of course. And there's a, this is where she meets these characters. So, all right. So let's say the Good Witch of the North, right? Mm-hmm. She sends her off on this journey. Like, you got these ruby slippers. You got to make it to Emerald City. The switch is going to come for you. Or fucking flying monkey henchmen yeah. demon motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and like, okay, so Rob Zombie version. So those flying monkeys, if you remember seeing them as a kid, yeah. thinking they're creepy or whatever. So they're like monkey-human hybrids, and they're all fucking jacked. And they okay. got like giant teeth and drooling and shit. I and like they're it. like fucking like... They don't just do monkey stuff like they do in the original, but these monkeys, they, like, kill people and, like, break their heads off and shit. Okay, I like it. Yeah. They're, like, mutant monkey human. They're, like, an allegory for,
1: like, the Amazon factory workers or some, like, woke Rob Zombie (laughs) shit like that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay, so... All right, we've got that figured out. So the good witch is, like, you know, dear, honey, like, you can't just... Head to Emerald City unprotected. These fucking monkeys in the switch are unpredictable. There's going to be evil elements after you. Take this. And what does the Good Witch of the North hand Dorothy? What weapon does she? Yeah. and Now think Rob Zombie. What is Rob
1: Zombie? If you've seen a Rob Zombie kill before, what does it usually... You don't even think weapon. What does
0: it happen's It's bloody, right? Right.
1: It's going to cause a mess. So you're going to have to pick it up afterwards. Okay, so
0: okay, I got this. So... She goes and she goes over to the feet of the witch, and she like rips a bone off of the foot, right? Oh shit! And create, and it's like a little like dagger thing, mm-hmm. and then so Dorothy's like a sociopath in this movie. Is that no? The good witch went and ripped the bone. Oh off. damn! All right, yeah. So she like and like rips off this bone or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's like sharp. It's like to a point. Like Rob Zombie. Like that's what he would do. (laughs) It would be a bone. So how would you make a weapon out of a bone? Like I feel like here's what you could do is like you maybe the
1: bone is like the first starting instrument like like the base of the weapon. Just until she finds another weapon. Right. But like each when she meets the lion, when she meets the Scarecrow, when she meets the Tin Man, they each give her another element to the weapon. Oh, that like sure. by the end of the movie, it's like it's like an arc on its own. Right? Yeah, because that, that was arc.
0: kind of the advice they gave her. They right. each brought something different, and so it's like that, but it's physical. And so like maybe the witch is like, take this bone, and Dorothy's like, what the fuck do I do with this bone? Be like, you'll see soon. Or exactly. Some like some, yeah. Some like you'll, ominous, you'll, you'll like foreshadowing shit yep. like that. Right. Okay. So, she's with her little dog, her
1: slippers, her bone. Is it a dog, though, by the way? If this is Rob Zombie, is it a dog? Or what
0: kind of dog is it? It's a badass dog. How about- What kind of dog a are we pit thinking? Like a black pit bull. Like a black pit bull? Yeah. All right. Not that stupid Lhasa opsa thing. Okay. It should if <laughs> it should
1: fuck people up, then, if it's a pit bull. Like, there should- Not every scene. Yeah. But, like, it should come in handy. It
0: should be kind of like- a, Like it growls a and, like, drools and shit. Right, exactly. You oh, dude, I mean? it could kill one of the monkeys-
1: yeah, like kinda like in uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, our Brad Pitt uh, exactly. the last scene, he, like yep. whistles to it and just like fucking just oh, fuck,
0: dis- yeah. you know, tears ass. That yeah. kind of that kind of vibe. Right. Oh man, for sure. It's gonna be dope. Um
1: Hold who on, do we who, like is Dorothy, wait, by the
0: way. Like if we, if Rob Zombie, I was just casting. gonna say who, who is Dorothy? I was just gonna say. So shit. okay, so Sherry Moon Zombie is Glinda, the Good Witch. Okay, the I way. think Sherry uh, Moon North. Zombie is yep. a witch. Is hundred percent okay? Younger, who is Dorothy? Younger um, actress. Yeah, dark edge has an edge to her. Yeah, brown hair, dark hair. Um, Either one. Shit, that's good. <laughs> who? Nah, she doesn't have enough of an edge. Um. Oh my god! I love
1: uh, uh. This is maybe out of budget for Rob Zombie. One of the witches would definitely have to be uh. Jennifer Helena Bonham Carter. Fucking who plays oh Bella dude Lestrange? yes dude she's a dude. fucking well, oh one, my she's god
0: she's hot as shit but like 2 she'll be as the a wicked, witch? wicked witch of the oh, west oh dude she Perfect. would fucking sink her teeth into that role oh. are you kidding me dude hell yeah okay wicked witch of the west Helena Bonham Carter Sherry Moon Zombie Glinda the Good Witch of the North. All right, who's Dorothy? The only edgy like young actresses I can think of are like all blonde.
3: Mm-hmm. Billie
0: Eilish. No, dude, I honestly <laughs> thought Billie Eilish Fuck too, Billi- but like, I hate Billie her.
1: Eilish I feel like could act though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying uh, really. Do you not like Billie Eilish? Why? Is it because uh, she's popular?
0: No, it's Rob
1: Zombie movie. Oh, dude, that shit would do numbers.
0: Oh my god. Well, he's not gonna. She's already out of budget for him. Like, yeah, I was about to say. Like, I think
1: Helena Bonham Carter's out of budget for him. But like, honestly, if it's Rob Zombie, let's okay, let's just say um for right now, unnamed young edgy Dorothy. Right, yeah. we we have the archetype in mind. Let's move
0: here. Hold on. Let's let's ask Google. All here, right, hold on. I'm just gonna like Google Google. Who would young, you cast in a actor. Rob Zombie
1: Wizard of Oz movie as Dorothy? <laughs>
0: Because this is important we we gotta like move on from this point. All right, so let's see. I'm just gonna Google young edgy actor. I feel like I'm gonna hear, see a name and be like, God, why didn't I think of that right? Um, no, not Jennifer Lawrence, no, God right. damn it. Millie Bobby, <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. Oh my on. god. Hold on. She's probably out of budget too. Holy but. shit. That's funny. Hold on. Let me see. That would I'm <sighs> trying to think of like A24 actresses,
1: like the indie, like grungy sort of actresses.
0: Oh, dude. I Victoria Honestly, Dude, Victoria Justice. Perfect.
1: I'm ah, not edgy enough though. I think Anya Taylor yeah. Joy from The Witch. Anya Taylor, Taylor Joy. Stewart? Kristen Stewart, bro. We need nah, an actress.
0: She's not cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, nah, respect Kristen Stewart, though she was good in Underwater.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Anya Taylor Joy would actually be valid if you guys have seen either The Witch or. Um, I'm gonna. Queen's I don't know gang. who that is, so I'm gonna really? look it up. What
0: Anya Taylor? joy She's blonde, though.
1: Ah, uh, dye the fucking hair, bro.
0: I know, but then. So here's my point: all of them are blonde, like. Anya
1: Taylor-Joy is my pick because I know that she can get down. If you've seen The Witch with Robert Eggers, yeah. she gets fucking dirty in that movie. And she's a good actress. I I I think that's a good Dorothy just for now.
0: Mm, okay. I don't know. Well, so here's the thing. Maybe we take back the edgy thing. Because Dorothy okay. was not edgy. Dorothy okay. was very innocent.
1: She, she, if she was innocent, she had to have been coerced into taking the drug then. Right. That's the okay. contingency right. for how she got, how yeah. she took the drug is it had to have been like a friend who like influenced her, manipulated her or yeah. some shit. So we can make it more like a bubbly so, character.
0: Right. So, okay. And then it, it creates, it's more interesting that way too. Cause like this innocent girl now is walking through this mysterious land with a bone and she's got to like, right. you can relate which... more. You're like, okay, I would Emma know what Watson. to do. I'm a Watson. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here, right, hold on. I want to see if Victoria Justice is ever dressed up like Victoria Dorothy. Justice would, in a Rob Zombie movie, I mean, dude, a
1: fucking pig would take off on an aircraft carrier before that shit happened. I see the the girl on the Oh, dude, Jade. dude, Jade. Oh,
0: dude, Jade. Elizabeth oh. Gillies would be valid. She's, she's more edgy too. as fuck. She would fit into the budget. Dude, Dor- oh, literally, Victoria Justice dressed up like Dorothy. Look at this shit. Confirmation bias, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck you, Google. Okay. But, like, I just can you imagine
1: Victoria Justice, who's a very, like, clean, like, airbrushed actress, like, doing a Rob Zombie movie? Elizabeth Gillies, yes. But, like, uh, Victoria Justice to me is very, like, okay,
0: hold on, impervious type energy. What what about Jillian Murray? Like, she's pretty familiar. Okay. So, what movie has she been in? So, horror movies, she has done The Graves. She has done uh Forget Me Not. Mm. Florence Pugh would be a good um one. If she, you saw if you saw Midsummer, she
1: can get down and dirty. She'd be a good Dorothy because she's short and she has a very good, like um kind of like
0: doe-eyed yeah. energy. Um there's a few you could pick for Dorothy. All right, so Gillian Murray, like not only is she attractive, but she's done bad oh dude. Okay, so I have a story.
1: Unzip Here. your fly and then tell me. <laughs> oh my
0: god. And, and she's actually done some cool shit
1: in horror films. All right. I'll sign off. I'd say whatever you want, whoever you want as Dorothy, I'll take Jillian Murphy. Okay.
0: Um, so Now we got our lead lady locked in. And she's actually, she'd be a four, she would be on budget, I think. She'd be on budget. It's yep. so, okay. We have Sherry Moon Zombie as. So, hold on. I have a quick story about her. So she's one of my favorite actresses in like B films and stuff, like horror films. And when we started this podcast after a year and we started to book guests, I'd been shut down by a few people after we had Spike on. And I reached out to Jillian Murray through her agent because I got in touch with her agent. And this show was not popular at the time. Like, you know, it was a year in and like 3,000 listeners or something. Mm -hmm. And I wrote her a pitch of like why I started this, this is my interest in film, where I wanted to go with it. Why I think you make a good Dorothy. <laughs> That'll be the next episode. <laughs> and I wrote this pitch and I said, like, I'd like to have you on as a guest and I'd like to talk about some of the horror films you've done and just what it's like to be an actress in Hollywood and coming right. from Disney, blah, blah, blah. And I actually got a response, like, the following day from her agent and she was like, hey, like... I I showed this to Jillian and she thinks what you're doing is cool and she would love to be a part of your project. And I was like, holy shit, that's, that's crazy. So we were like, I wrote up interviews. I was sending it in to her agent. It was like approved and like, it was going through the motion and then mm-hmm. everything got backtracked because of COVID shit. Really? Um, yeah, because she was filming at the time. And there's all these flight delays. And then her agent like never got back to me. So it like ended up falling through. 'cause I didn't have a direct contact. So it was, it was a huge drag. But we gotta stay on that horse, man. Yeah. Um eventually here. You can we can try again, especially as this show has grown. Julian
1: Murphy, if you're listening, I know you are, <laughs> we
0: will see you very soon. Very soon. <laughs> but uh anyways, very nice person. Like that was like one of the coolest things, especially after being shut down by other people that like someone, you know, with all that going on was like interested in helping out get us or helping like get us started and shit. Like, I mean, she'll, she'll cool. be on here
1: soon. There's yeah. no
0: doubt. Right. So anyways, so Jillian Murray is Dorothy. Jillian Murray is Dorothy. Uh, Sherry Moon zombie is the good witch of the North. Helena Bonham Carter is the wicked witch Fuck of the yeah. West. This that's is a w-
1: good, that's a good <laughs> set of witches. And like main, main women were,
0: I like that dynamic right Right. There, you know what I'm saying? All right, so she's got her black aggressive pit bull. Okay. She's got her bone given to her by the witch, Mm -hmm. and now she's off on the yellow brick road. Okay. So I think she should get pickpocketed by a munchkin, and she, like, beats the fuck out of... Or no, no, the dog kills the munchkin. Okay. Well, okay, so if the dog is going to kill the munchkin, (laughs) which I agree, it should be a a
1: gratuitous scene. I think it should shock the audience. Now you have to have some pullback on Jillian Murphy's character, the protagonist. Yeah. She needs to be like, when her dog like rips this thing, the shit, she needs to be like, I want to talk to him. Like maybe like, you know, she's like, a um, maybe like this the perfect
2: person.
0: Then maybe the, dog the, begin- is like, the beginning of this journey is she's like, no, like, like she's still like the good girl. And mm-hmm. then as all this crazy shit happens, like she gets more and more like, um, Realistic about like I gotta fucking I gotta fight Like I gotta survive Like right. I gotta I gotta dig in And find that grit And then by the end of it She's like a total badass Exactly And cause
1: she had no choice But to do that Like Oh my god Anytime she tried yeah. to rely On her morality It failed her And oh it gosh. damn near killed her This is
0: epic uh, Hold on I'll be right back Okay Alright Control the dead air For like two minutes Oh I got this Sweet
1: Alright so If we're thinking uh, Rob Zombie here now This is just my taste Personally If you're bringing Wizard of Oz To the screen it's gotta pop. It's gotta be cinematic. And Rob Zombie is notorious for, for close ups, for those more like intimate type of shots, which can work in this movie. But I think if Rob Zombie is gonna be doing his take of Wizard of Oz, now, Tom, I'm not sure how you feel about Rob Zombie or the Wizard of Oz IP in general. How do you think those two brands mesh in your opinion?
3: Well, I think that uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz is a classic and I think the Rob Zombie would be able to create an interesting horror twist to it um, mm-hmm. and be a much darker more modern version of it agreed yeah
1: agreed I would say and what would you like to see if you as an audience member you're buying a ticket to an R rated Wizard of Oz movie never anything like it before what is one thing you want to walk away from with the movie like you bring up the horror twist of it what's one moment where you're like okay you couldn't do this before glad Rob Zombie took it there
3: Um, I just think I want some sort of gritty realistic uh but you know of course still horror fantasy Mm -hmm. sort of take of it you know and i want to come away and thinking wow like that was that was really fucking brutal (laughs) right
1: absolutely i would say one thing too and you you bring up the word brutal which is important because if he's rated r and it's rob zombie he's gonna go for the fucking throat and now that's where that's why i'm really thinking about the tin man lion the cowardly lion and the scarecrow characters yeah now this is my take on Rob Zombie's take. The tin man, one of them needs to be an incredible they need to be I think have incredibly vile fucked up backgrounds. And I think maybe maybe they had a history of violence or assault and they did these horrible things. Maybe they were canceled, they were shunned and they're like desperate. Like they're in shambles. You know what I mean? We're basically like recovering drug addict energy for the cowardly lion, for the tin man, for the scarecrow. But you're rooting for them. Kind of like in Devil's Rejects or Three From Hell, where these are obviously despicable characters, but god damn it, there's something about the way the story is put together that you just can't help but root for them. And I think that should be a huge point of contention for Dorothy, our protagonist, as you're meeting these people who are, are fucked up, have done horrible things. Um whatever the whatever drugs are going around in Oz, I promise you these scare, these guys have done all of it and they're horrible. They have shitty pasts, but god damn it. They are sympathetic characters, and I think that's a huge part of this movie is taking the darkest elements of this source material, flipping it on its head and going, what do you think about this, audience? Ben, what would you like to see, I just asked Tom, from a Rob Zombie? Like, If you're buying a ticket to an R-rated Wizard of Oz, what do you want to walk out of the theater going, I'm glad they put that in there?
0: <clears throat> um... I think what we just discussed with Dorothy, I want to see her character evolve from innocence into a badass. Mm -hmm. Realizing that, as you said, part of her character arc and her story is that all of those good girl things were holding her back. And in order to survive this mysterious land with all these monsters and stuff, she had to dig deep and find that darkness to overcome the mm. evil. That's what I want to see. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, the victim isn't the victim the whole time. Mm-hmm. And
1: working our way back into kind of the nitty-gritty of the plot and the narrative, you said she puts her feet on the yellow brick robe, mm-hmm. the story kind of kicks off, the inciting incident's already underway. Where does the story go from here?
0: All right, so... Okay, so let's see. So she's got the bone, the pit bull.
1: And she has no idea what this bone is for. She's like almost debating getting rid of it. But like for whatever reason, she's just like, fuck
0: it. Like, I've, I, what is this Yeah, shit, like right? she does, has, doesn't have any options. So she holds on to mm-hmm. it. So this is when the munchkins are like, follow the yellow brick road. And they do that annoying song. Mm -hmm. What what does a munchkin in a Rob Zombie movie look like? They're hideous. Hideous. fucking freaks. Abominations. Products of incest should be
1: implied heavily.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, it's a a fucking, they're basically mutants. They're like, kill me energy, right? Right. (laughs) And then they start singing this song, and she's like, no, stop singing. Stop. Stop singing. You guys need help. And they're like, follow the yellow girl. And she's like, no, no. And then maybe she has a flashback from, like, the drug she took. Okay. And maybe it like shows her a vision of something like maybe it shows her a, viv- a vision of Emerald City and what it looks like. Okay. And she like falls over her dog is looking at her face and she gets up. She's like, we got to go. We got to go to the Emerald City. And then the Munchkins are following her and they're doing their dance. And then maybe that's when like the dog attacks one of them. Okay. And maybe like they like try to jump on the dog and then that's when the first moment when she's like. Get off my dog! And she like fucking punts one of them in the face. Right, and then, then they like take off running or something.
1: Absolutely, I love uh, I love that kind of confrontation with the Munchkins. Something that I think of is that like, let's say the dog has whether the dog has or hasn't like gone crazy and killed someone yet. You know, at some point you got to think of pacing. Is that at what pace do you want to introduce, and in what order do you want to introduce the scarecrow, the lion, and the the Tin Man, whatever Rob Zombie's version of that is? Now, I think the confrontation she has with her first real obstacle, whether it's the munchkins, whether it's the monkeys should put her in that sort of flashback yeah. state where, you know, maybe it's a flashback. Maybe she's incapacitated for a moment. And when she wakes up in some way, you get the introduction as she's coming to, to one of these characters, maybe someone who saved her and you don't know who the fuck it was. She got out of this. She's in a different spot. She's wearing different this. She's in a different place. And now you can kind of seamlessly work your way into here's this character. Cause you want to think of a way you can kind of, seamlessly introduce these characters in a way
0: that feels natural to the obstacle she's facing. All right. So let's see here. So she like comes to the woods and there's like this creepy cabin, I think. And then I think the witch shows up and she gives her a warning or something. Mm -hmm. And then I think she meets the Tin Man. Okay, Tin Man's first. Was it the Scarecrow or Tin Man that was first? I think
1: the Scarecrow was first. Does it matter?
0: Does it? Honestly, no. Oh, because he's on the the post in the field and the birds are like pecking at him. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Because that's how the original is. Like the crows are pecking at him and he wants help. But this is like they're like pecking his eyes and like he's fucking bleeding from the face. Right. And should Bill Mosley be the scarecrow or the tin man? He could do either really well. I I think so too. Okay, that's actually... Oh, by the way, Tyler Main's the lion, Maine lion, Maine. Okay, and he's huge and jet. Like it's perfect. I like it. Yeah, I like it. And I think each of
1: these three key like characters, the you know the ones I'm talking about, should be an allegory for some sort of either a mental illness,
0: either a, mental a drug illness addiction in her own head. Mm, yeah, like they're all. This will be the twist that could have been implied in the original, mm-hmm. but in this version, it will be what the story is. They are separate parts of her personality. Yeah, and they're all psychotic delusions. Yeah, from the drug.
1: One hundred percent. I think that's a kind of the movie has a very psychedelic uh, sort of aura to it. In that, like each one of these things she sees is really just her unresolved trauma. Which, like, that's what fucking story is. That's what antagonist. This is.
0: We seriously might need to pitch this to Rob Zombie.
1: I think we might just fucking run and make it ourselves. Honestly, (laughs) I'm pretty attached to this idea in the last forty five minutes. Um, because here, I was telling uh, Tom about this when you were gone. Yeah. Rob Zombie has a very particular style of filmmaking yeah. that I don't give a shit about content or anything like that. But from a filmmaking perspective, this is where I differ from Rob Zombie. Yeah. And this is why I think specifically for The Wizard of Oz, yeah. I, I don't know if I would like it. Is Rob Zombie is about tight close-ups, shaky cam, yeah. you know what I mean? And like that's effective, or something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which he should make. But for Wizard of Oz is, Wizard of Oz is inherently cinematic to me. Right. Not that you can't do close-up grindhouse gore in that specific, in those specific pressure valves, but I personally feel as though this movie needs to have some finesse to it. Yeah. And Rob Zombie has never been, and this isn't a bad thing, this is just like, r- finesse and right. Rob Zombie are not two words that right. go to like. Well, uh, and this is why
0: light. we're on this project, too. That's exactly
1: right. And, um, you know, we have Rob Zombie taped up in the basement right now, we'll put you to him <laughs> afterwards, but, uh. I, I like kind of where we're taking it in terms of like. Yeah. I think the the scarecrow, lion, and uh, here's what I'll say for the scarecrow is let's say that's the first person they meet. Doesn't matter. He's is he a human? Is he an actual scarecrow? I think whatever. If he's getting pecked, he should feel it, but he like almost like can't die.
0: Okay, so the scarecrow is a he needs a brain. Mm-hmm. The Tin Man needs a heart, and the Lion needs courage. Right, and these are all um, psychotic. Delusions representing mm-hmm. character flaws within Dorothy. Yep. And so, start with the scarecrow. So, okay, is she mentally ill or is she tripping?
1: Well, here's how we're going to answer that question. Is or by is the psychedelic
0: drugs points. impacting her mental illness to the point where... She- it's ego death. Yeah. She's confronting... Parts of her own personality, one hundred percent, while she's on drugs. Oh, this is so sick
1: through those forms. And so let's just start with just an example. Is let's say to start with the scarecrow. He doesn't yeah. have a
0: brain, right? And then Vin Diesel drives the Dodge Challenger in down the Yellow Brick Road and gives yeah. her a ra- okay. He's like, well, let's family. I don't <laughs> got right. friends. I got munchkins. All right, we don't get that kind of money for exactly. This. <laughs> and uh,
1: well, let's just start with uh, the scarecrow, right? So, what is Dorothy, our protagonist, resolving with the scarecrow symbolically? What's going on? Doesn't have a brain, so how could Dorothy not have a brain? Well, let's say she was,
0: you know, she was dr- seduced so, into taking this drug. Exactly, right? W- where did she go? Who is she hanging out with that gave her this drug? Yeah,
1: how how was she manipulated into that situation? Right. Whatever the answer to that question is, is the answer to the period of the film when she first meets the Scarecrow to the next, and w- whether it's when she's it's interacting
0: man. with the Scarecrow. Like she asks questions that are obvious, like he'll do something and she'll be like, hey, how come when I ask you about such and such, like you can't give me an honest reason for that or mm-hmm. what? I, and like it's her talking to herself. It's like Fight Club, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm, I don't have a brain because I need to do that, and it's really just her having a conversation with herself. Mm-hmm. And after this is revealed at the end, you can kind of subtract that and realize it's just her having a conversation. She's projecting on exactly every, everyone to me because none of their none of that shit's fucking real. All right, so she was drugged, and now she's trying to face the reality of her not having a brain. Okay, mm-hmm. she was being dumb. Who was she with? Who was she trusting? What circumstances led to her being drugged and in this situation, right? Right. So this is the scarecrow, Mm -hmm. okay? Absolutely. So I think for that, uh, let's just say that
1: Dorothy, before she took this drug, let's say it's Mm -hmm. modern age. Let's say she's at a party, whatever the fuck it is. She's with the wrong group of friends, whatever they're doing. Drugs are getting high. There's, it's not the good environment, right? Uh, Salt
0: of the earth type shit. So, okay. So in the beginning, it's in Kansas and it's a tornado, right? Okay. So I got a new twist on this. All right. No so pun intended. It's like a party, and it's in Kansas, and it's like you know a farmhouse or something, bunch right. of high school kids, whatever. And it's like normal party scene, people hanging out, whatever, mm. going to different shots, and then some dude comes. He's like, he's got this new like experimental drug, and then like. Maybe they peer pressure her because she's insecure. Mm-hmm. and They're like, "Yeah, you won't take it. Like, you're goody two shoes." Blah blah blah. So and why then, does she
1: take it? It can't just be oh, if she's so goody two shoes, she wouldn't have. She would just been. Well, she gets
0: pressured into it. So why was it a was it like was it a, a boy that she was trying to impress? Was it a yeah. group of
1: friends that she was about to fall out of? Was it, or it she was trying to
0: get into? It? Was it both? Right? Yeah. Was it. The, the wrong people in general, like a little bit of all of the above. Right. So that's something to visit. So I think that's what it is. So she takes this drug at the party and maybe she's like tweaking and everyone's like having a good time. And maybe she starts like, uh, as she's tripping, she's having a really bad episode and then her friends stop being douchebags and they're like, Oh my God, something's really wrong. Like, And then maybe, like, the girl looks at the guy that gave her this experimental drug. She's like, you asshole, what'd you fucking give her? Like, look at her. Look at her. And and then that's when you got the Rob Zombie shaky cam and shit. So you take that
1: exact scene you're saying right now. Let's say you have, at the very least, three other people in that room while she's having—she's funneling into a bad trip, right? Right. You asshole, how would you do that? That was so stupid. The other guy's in the corner, he's shitting himself. He doesn't know what to do. He's scared. Yeah. The other guy's in the corner, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't have a heart. Ah, oh,
0: perfect. Oh, this is epic. All right. So that's how this starts. So, you know, and I think in the original, I don't know, she hits her head somewhere during the tornado and her aunt and uncle are like, Dorothy... Dorothy. Should she wake be up? giving
1: head? Is that too on the no.
0: numbers <laughs> <laughs> My God. So in the original, like she hits her head during the tornado, I think, and then her aunt and uncle are like, Dorothy, Dorothy, and the it's got right. like and the twirly thing, and then that's when she wakes up in the land. Like right. she we was... obviously
1: that's fucking campy
0: so, and we can't do it. like we have to no, no, have no. more Same exact thing, but instead of her being unconscious from hitting her head, it's the friends are the people at the party, and she's unconscious from the drug overdose. And they're like, Dorothy, Dorothy, wake up. Can you hear us? And then she goes into this fictitious land okay. because of her drug overdose. I like it. Yeah. So same exact thing there. I like it. And so what we're basically
1: saying, and this is to me has been like kind of the elephant to the room with this whole pitch, is that yeah. everyone she is seeing, uh, whether it's the lion, whether it's the monkeys, whatever the fuck, yeah. is somebody... In her actual physical reality. Yes. Now, it can still be those unresolved demons that she's dealing with. But right. But that's internal. That's the because, character struggle. And right?
0: that was the original, too. Like, the uh, Scarecrow is, like, the farmhand. And the Tin Man was, like, her uncle. And, like, the Evil Witch of the West was the woman who uh, got bit by her little dog. And so, yeah, that's the same thing. But these people who are manifested in her trip in this mysterious land are representations of people from the party and what they did to Let her. Let me ask you a question. Let's, we're going to change topics before yeah. stay on the story. Yeah. Oz. Uh-huh. Think about Oz.
1: The, yep. Oz, the Great and Powerful, right? right. Amazing movie, although it wasn't. Um, I like James Franco, though. Oz, the character of Oz, right? Yep. The Wizard of Oz. Yep. Now, what do you think
0: of... Johnny Depp cameo. Johnny He's Depp canceled, cameo? He's canceled. He's not getting... He's, he's, major films right now. He's like Robert Downey Jr. before Iron Man. He's looking right. to prove himself. And exactly. And we would need to pay him for like three minutes of screen time or less. We probably would need to pay him. I'm just <laughs> like, so i was kidding. I love Johnny Depp. Obviously. Me too. No, I'm thinking about the character okay. of Oz himself. But anyways, Johnny Depp cameo as Oz.
1: One thousand. That's a, yep. that's a no-brainer and, that, and that's a great idea. Now my question is, yep. whatever Oz looks like in Oz, you know, he's like Mystic or whatever the fuck yeah. he's got, you have to parallel that with Who gave her this drug? How did she get this drug? Where did this shit come from?
0: Meth heads in Kansas. Tweakers in Kansas.
1: Now, if it's going to be meth (laughs) heads and tweakers in Kansas, Kansas, how are are a bunch of backwoods meth pumpers going (laughs) to be able to create a, a compound that can create an experience like that?
0: Barnes. Barnes? Yeah, they made it in the barn. They're
1: like, we were just fucking around and like now thing went to Oz and shit. Like it's still fifteen bucks a pop. All right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there should be a little bit more I and mean, we don't have to show anything, but there should be an implication that whoever was like try this, right? Yep. Whoever had the drug and made it. Right. That that's Oz. That's oh. that's that who that's who that is.
0: Yeah. This is the center point of the story. Cause he okay, so Oz. In the fictitious land, he's the one who can get her back home. Mm-hmm. So the guy who creates the synthetic drug or is responsible for it is the one in reality who can get her back home, i.e. the one who can give her the remedy to break the bad trip, right? This
1: is John Kramer and Saw. Oh, shit, man. He's putting you in a shitstorm to overcome something that you have done or need to deal with in a way that you never would have expected, definitely don't want, but maybe need. Maybe. Yeah, interesting. That energy for Oz. Whether it's the kid at the party, whether they were in a meth-up, but when she goes to Oz, that is that same energy, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that sort of parallel to where if you were watching the movie and you were paying good attention to it, yep. And you watch, now she goes to Oz, and you and the character, the scene, the movie unfolds. This should like, be
0: modern too.
1: It should be that yep. I agree. It should be modern, and then obviously when you go to Oz, it's not. But like, yeah. that's why I think it, the movie hits is because Wizard of Oz is obviously a very fantastical tale, but it's a story. Yeah, and so if you start with that, like you know, typical party, right? Drinking, smoking, whatever. <clears throat> oh, that guy's cute, whatever. And then you go to this like crazy world. Obviously, that's going to put asses in the seats. Oh, Wizard of Oz, popular IP, right? Right. But we're actually doing something with it. We're telling something with it. Mm-hmm. You know, now you've got something cooking here where it's like, oh, if you get an R rating on this shit, oh, R-rated Wizard of Oz, give me that shit. <laughs> give me an R-rated, R-rated Wizard of Oz.
0: Damn. Okay, this is coming together nicely. All right. So we got that backstory figured out. Mm-hmm. All right, so she meets the scarecrow first because these crows are pecking out his eyes and he's bleeding. And... How does that scene go? Because isn't he just like on the like stakes and he's like, hey, girl, like, help me. These fucking birds are eating me and shit. Are you familiar
1: with the work of Clive Barker and Hellraiser?
0: I'm not very familiar. So the uh, premise of Hellraiser
1: is that there is no line between pain and pleasure. Sure. Right? And that is kind of where I see a character being pecked at and fucking eaten at. And that's painful on the surface.
0: Yep. But he's oh, like getting okay. a kick out of it, right? So you're you're bringing up something. So I remember she runs over to him because she's like, "Oh, the scarecrow and these birds, and they're pecking at him." And then he, she sees like his eyes moving around, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's alive! I gotta help him!" And she gets him down. That was and actually an eerie her. scene
1: when you were a kid watching that. Oh, like, totally. oh my fucking god! Totally.
0: <laughs> so it'd be kind of like that, and. Yeah, maybe he's like—I don't want to say a sadist, but he's like just crazy. Like he's like she gets, she sees him. She's like concerned, like oh, um. She,
1: like, g- she like she like shoos the crows away. Right. She's like, are she you like okay? He's an- like, I paid fucking good money for that <laughs> shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, it doesn't even know what the hell to do. She's like, what? Who the fuck? What is this shit? Well, no, and then it, you get the, her first real kind of trial as a
0: character. Well, no, I think it should be a little more like indirect, like she should be like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he'll be like, are you kidding me? I've never felt more alive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I <laughs> and like that. Yeah. He's like, what What do you mean? They were just pecking your eyes out. And he's like, oh, the pain gives me pleasure. Let me tell you something, girl, nothing makes you feel more alive. And like, mm. he kind of goes off and she's like, what are you talking about? And he just kind of <laughs> like, puts her on to like hedonism basically. Right. And she's like, you know you're you're an odd guy but like you know it's nice to meet you and Mm -hmm. and then he's like oh like what are you doing she's like uh i i was tripping balls and uh i killed this witch and this other witch is trying to kill me he's like yo where'd you get
1: where'd you get that shit You know, I think the Scarecrow should be a very, I'm not going to say like surfer, dude, that's yeah. too reductive, but like a, a relatable character, right? Like just kind of a strung out like California energy. Like he's definitely down on his luck. He like think like, um, wait, th- so this was the Scarecrow. Sorry. I think the Scarecrow, I'm not saying a love interest, but she should have an, af- why does Dorothy give him a second look? Oh yeah. He's in pain. He's a Scarecrow, but she could just be like, okay, I'm on, I'm, I'm on your way now. He needs to provide some sort of. Intangible value to her That's like okay well Yeah You know what I'm saying
0: Speaking of that So I think She should have an Trust issues mm. Like I think She meets these people Because she's gonna uh, Do what is right But They're like Oh let me Link up with you Like let's hang out Let me join you And she's very like I don't trust people And then that's when They're like Maybe they see The bone And they're like Oh my god You got this. This tibula. Can I right. see this for a second? And he's got, like, a piece to add to it. Mm. He's like, where'd you get this shit? She's like, oh, well, she
1: gives him, like, a kind of backstory. He, like, lights up. Yeah, and, and like, he's what? like,
0: I can help you. I can help you. Let me come with you.
1: It's like almost like they intuitively know, like, right. kind of what's happening. They're right. definitely not telling her.
0: So what does the scarecrow have to add to the bone?
1: <laughs> that is the question. Um... I couldn't give you a concrete answer right now. I don't think he's just gonna throw some straw on that bitch. I don't think it's gonna be that simple. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily know. I think it should be more an intellectual component as opposed to like a physical. Like here, you should add this to this. But like, the scarecrow doesn't have a brain. He's a, he's a hedonist. He's into whatever. So like, what would he think of to add to that? That she would just be like, this is just a bone,
0: right? Right. He'd be like, yo, if you, you know what I mean. All right, Tom, physics. What would a scarecrow add to a bone to make it effective for killing?
3: Probably it.
0: Well, the bone is sharp, or that's insinuated. But, like, what would... What object would the scarecrow have that could, like, be added to the bone? Or, like, what advice, aside from the obvious, that could be, like
1: what if this yeah what if instead of let's go back to that first idea you had of like she needs a weapon so she the grabs like yeah now, let's say instead of a weapon yeah right because she's tr- the, she's maybe she's tripping she's visualized she's completely losing this whole book <laughs> she is without knowing making the antidote yeah and now you can just kind of reverse engineer okay so if she's making an antidote to this drug right add some symbolic story shit to it but like Right. Now it's like okay now now each the line the scarecrow and the timid all have something that they need to add to that thing to like yeah. bring her like to like bring her
0: back right that's how she gets back okay so yeah okay so the antidote so the bone could be uh, that could represent uh, physical physical uh, recovery mm-hmm. however you want to put it maybe she had some trauma in the past or yeah that, you know? the scarecrow being. Not having a brain, he could offer something that would be... If you don't have a brain, what do you have? Uh, Guts and instinct. Courage, yep. Yeah, exactly. so... Oh, man, I don't know. I would
1: say this. I would say, why don't we put a pin in that plot point for now? I'm good to tie... This, you know, this Wizard of Oz... Idea gets me thinking about a lot of different shit. Yeah, and especially the um. You know, we obviously started talking about Rob Zombie. Let's move on. Okay, r rated, our rated type of uh,
0: adaptations. Is so, good. so let's move on to the Tin Man. Okay, and then after we she gets through her journey and she gets to Oz, then we'll reconsider what they all gave her for okay. her antidote. All right, so I think she meets the Tin Man. He's standing outside the creepy cabin. The witch comes. She's like, I'm gonna send my my monkey mutants after you, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then she disappears, and the Tin Man's. So he needs a heart, and this is the guy, the manifestation of the guy at the party. Cold asshole. Yeah. Right. So he's like squeaking and whatever. He should be kind of a
1: douche, right? He should be. You know, I'm not saying the Tin Man was a douche right. in the original, but like we have it's a modern adaptation, and it's modern day that we're jumping into. Heartless, like. <laughs> boy energy. No, I'm right. not saying that he has to be, but like he, sh- she should not like him. So she pours.
0: So he squeaking in, and he points his eyes to the, the little tin can, and she pours the oil. He starts like moving his joints. She's like, oh, are you all right? Like, what's going on? And then he could be like, well, like, what took so long? Like, the fuck? Do you think I'm just standing here at this tin can for like no reason? Like, why do you? Right. Th- and then, like, the scarecrow could be like, oh, you know, we just came over to help. Right. He could be like, well, yeah, like, again, it took long enough. Like, what were you guys thinking? Like, do you not have a brain? He could say that to the scarecrow. Yeah, like, you fucking dimwit. He <laughs> fucking... was like, yo, that was kind of harsh, dude. Holy shit. You stupid straw-looking bitch. Like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> like, you have a heart, my God. <laughs> oh, he could totally say that. But, like, you don't have a heart. And then he could turn around and, like, get all, like, angry and, like, Fuck. and like, He's like, know. I also don't have
1: a stick up my ass. He should be, like, a silver <laughs> tongue. He should be, like, a, if he's heartless, like, if you want maximum entertainment value, like, yeah. if you're going to make him heartless, like, make him clever. Because if you have a clever, heartless motherfucker, <laughs> you can write shit in a movie that you'll yeah. never be able to say in real life. Oh, that, that's true. You know true. what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So... Yeah, so he calls them, like, heartless, and then, like...
1: And then they slowly, as the... Ti- now we focus on the Tin Man and the Scarecrow's dynamic, because they're at odds, right? Yeah. And, like, now they're slowly starting to warm up each other through their trials, maybe they get, like, like you know, molested by a monkey, whatever the fuck the <laughs> boss can throw at them. Now, I'm thinking, and I maybe I'm jumping too ahead, that the lion, because once you have that trinity, yeah. you can kind of, like, work it... The lion is... Um, for all intents and purposes he has to be a pussy right
0: yeah and it's gonna be funny too because tyler main he's gonna be super jacked for this role right So like, yeah. he's gonna be a total bitch yeah he's like way bigger and cooler than the others yeah
1: i think he should be not only like um a coward and like the uh like the braver, but he should be like a social pussy like he should have like low quality energy like looks at the ground and like fidgets and like yeah like you know what i'm saying like very subtle like you're like oh i know that person like i know that
0: kind of, oh i've done that that's cringy right? yeah type shit right right you know he'll like look at dorothy and be like oh, 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 i like your shoes they're nice and red
1: we, we can we can keep going down the road, Yellow yellow Road. like if you like if you guys want to like I, we don't like have to like we can like i don't know it's like i kind of want to like you're like you kind of hate him at first you're like oh like he should almost be like an infuriating level of pussy. Right. But you can't just hate
0: the character. Right. You have, there has to be something about the Well, that's, the uh, that's how I felt as a kid about him. I was like, you're a lion. Like, why are you such a pussy? Like, what are you doing? Right. And so the, the answer. But then you... it was like, you like him because he's a nice guy. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but he's like. Gah. That's the thing is like, so if, if uh, he's a coward, that's his <laughs> negative trait. What is the benefit to being a coward? Now, you could, you could argue empathy. Yeah. He's very caring. Yeah, Overly sensitive.
0: Ooh, right? so I have an idea here. Okay. So, the brain, the heart, and the courage, right? Mm-hmm. These psychotic delusions of Dorothy's issues. So, what if at one point, they all turn on each other? The courage, the lion, the tin man, the scarecrow, and they start, like, going at it with each other. Okay, and that could be her. Okay, against herself. Here is what I'm thinking. Yeah, if the
1: lion is cowardly, yep, that means that he will bend to any will. Mm-hmm. Essentially, now if you take that and put that, who is he bending to? A shitty character,
0: the so Tin Man. What if the monkeys? Yeah, perfect. But so the mutant monkeys. Say they like capture the lion or whatever, they ambush him. Mm-hmm. like, "We're gonna kill you. We're gonna kill you unless you do what we say." Mm-hmm. Oh, Anything, do don't want to kill me. He's a they're puppet, like, right? Right. And they're and then they make him do something really bad.
1: Yes, he has to do something fucked up because he literally just don't has the backbone to
0: stick right. up against it. But this is interesting because he's a pussy. But the ultimatum. Is he's got to find his courage to do something bad or they'll kill him. So mm-hmm. his life is on the line. So can he find the courage to mm-hmm. be bad? And so he's going to go after the one without the heart. Oh, okay. So, oh, Damn.
1: Nobody said this movie had to like be a feel good type shit. Like this can just be like, what if you took this source material and just like, we'll fix everything at the end. That's right, what we're going to do. I think you can have that t- positive transmission at the end, but for the bulk of the story that we're talking about right now, like, yeah, let's get dirty with you. You know what I'm saying? The this lion, is metaphorical. Too. The lion being like gaslit and like forced into like some fuck shit.
0: Yep. Oh, I'm with that. Cause life happens, you know, life does happen. It's brutal Especially out there. Especially when you're a Cowardly Lion. Olivia right? Rodrigo said it best. It's brutal out there. It, it really is. <laughs> it really is. She can make a good job. <laughs> Tom thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways. All right. So the Lions compromised his morals. And that's like the first character turn, right? hmm It's like WWE now. Right. Okay. I think... Dorothy, how should she react to that when she sees it? Now, the question is, at what point in Dorothy's arc are we in? Like, she's more hardened than she was at this point in the beginning of the story. So So conflict is... Ooh, so, okay. That's a good point. So on the way to this, as she's with the three and they're traveling down the road, I think they should, like, kind of start bickering with each other. And obviously, as the audience, you know that they're just she is watching negative aspects of herself mm-hmm. try to overtake each other and that's kind of when she starts to learn and sort of pull back and like reassess like hey without you know I'm with these guys like they're here with me like I that's just the reality of it okay mm-hmm this guy has no brain, this guy has no heart, this guy has no courage, okay? But we gotta get through this shit. So how are we gonna make this happen? And she realizes, the kind of the wild card, being neutral, is not gonna keep him alive. So each confrontation they have, whether it's with the deformed uh, cannibal munchkins, or the mutant monkeys, mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck, she just she finds a little bit more grit, and maybe she has to, she has to find right. It. There's no choice. Maybe the only one she trusts is the dog, and she just kind of pays attention. She sees all these these aspects of herself, right? And then she sees the dog, and she's like, "This dog just knows right from wrong, knows good from evil, knows when to." when to push when to pull Mm -hmm. and she gets like very close with the dog maybe she like takes on the dog's character and the dog teaches her how to dig in and find that grit Mm. become animalistic so to speak I like it I like that (laughs) shit
1: I think um, I think what's interesting about that is obviously if the dog's an animal, Dorothy's a person. The dog's animalism is going to come through in physical expression. He's going to fuck someone up. He's going to protect her. Now Dorothy's and anim- she can ki- she can- she should be doing some like brutal shit in the movie, right. like should killing someone. But I think the the this movie has like an intellectual component that can be just as fucked up as the physical shit. Right, and that's where Dorothy's dog, the animal, her inspiration comes through. And I think there should be. Um, you know, whether it's the witch character, Helena Bonham Carter, obviously fantastic actress. Let's say I don't know how much you see her being in the movie, but let's say let she I, from what I remember in the movie, it's very foggy. She pops in here and there, yeah, you know yep. what I mean? And I think when that happens in this story,
3: mm-hmm.
1: when you get that antagonist popping in, it shouldn't just be like nya, 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 and like flies away. I think there should be like a very like a um a substantial, though brief, exchange yeah. that is highly relevant. And as though let's say three of them happen before she gets to Oz. Each one that she gets goes toe toe with this witch, it's an intellectual cock off, right? This witch is beating the shit out of her at first. She completely like gets her second one, she, you know, gets a get a good get, gets draws blood a little bit verbally. And then the third one, it's an even match. Maybe Dorothy's even a little bit better at it. Right. That's where that animalistic sort of quality starts to come out, on top of her, you know, maybe fucking someone up with a wrench at some point,
0: whoever the hell weapons right. they got there. You know what I'm saying? Excellent. <clears throat> All right, so the lion's the first to turn. Does he kill the? Does he destroy the Tin Man? I think he should. That would be if he like gets his courage and like realizes he's a fucking yeah. lion.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I think when the lions flip switches, there should be a brutal outcome. Right, it has to be. It's a fucking lion for Christ's sake, you know. And so, the Tin Man to me is if you're gonna have him kill the Tin Man. Now I know it's a fucking Tin Man. But you got to make that shit feel like that is a person dying, right? Because you need to sell this transformation for the lion. You need to sell. How do I know that the lion's really a lion now, right? <laughs> yeah. Did he just, like, push? Did he growl really loudly? No. So if, whether it's the Tim and the Scarecrow or X character, the lion's flip switching needs to have, like, a, on the audience. Like, it needs right. to be, like, holy shit. Yeah. Right. Like I
0: actually, this is more. I would have preferred you as the pussy. This is crazy. Because no, no one's gonna expect him to be the bad guy. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um. All right. So then, lion's bad. Tin man gets killed.
1: Uh, Maybe as the tin man's dying, he's like. The peak empathy, like his arc has come to like as he's dying of bleeding out, he's like, I really liked you, or some shit. He expresses some sort of like sincere emotion. Right. As he's already going to die. Right. Or it's just like, ooh, yikes. That's kinda I don't like the way that sits, right? Yeah, you know, it's kind of icky. Alright. Right. So it's
0: just Dorothy, dog, and Scarecrow. hmm Did the lion die? Is he just off on his own? Like what? he's he's like with the witch and the monkeys. Okay,
1: so he joins forces with the yeah. intake.
0: Okay. Maybe. <sighs> Maybe he gets double crossed and the monkeys kill him after. I actually like that. Okay, I think that's, I think that's cathartic from yeah. an audience perspective. I oh, like that. So let's say they're monkey. I think I said this before, but they're monkey-human hybrids. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to kill them. Yep. Absolutely. Because there's animal rights and there's human rights, but the middle the line it, is blurred. It's a gray area. Right. It's
1: like, what are you gonna do, Peter? <laughs> Peter, how do you feel about this? <laughs> right. Like, we're it's
0: like 50% pissed off. You were off. <laughs> made in a government lab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no one cares about you. And honestly, when we get to this point in the story, we're probably
1: second, third act here. This is where my memory of the movie starts to get foggy yeah. in terms of, like, what happens when they get to Oz, what the confrontation looks like. So you may have more of the substantial reference point here than
0: I do. So <clears throat> I could be wrong, but what I want to say happens is... I don't know. It's like a hot air balloon or some shit that I remember. And Oz is like trying to send her home and his wacky thingamajig like malfunctions. And she's stuck there mm-hmm. and she's like heartbroken. And then he's like, Oh, like you can just transport home whenever you want. All you got to do is what? click your fucking heels. Is that yeah, a- something like that. Mm-hmm. And then she wakes up from her, her, uh, unconsciousness mm-hmm. and in this case she wakes up from her drug overdose so that'll be the end but it will be epic like the uh like the oz building is gonna be like fucking there's gonna be like plasma spewing out and a fire there's gonna be like monkeys killing each other and like yeah. violence very, and gore. very visually savory type right shit. and like she'll be in the balloon and Maybe someone kills Oz and as he's dying, he'll be like, you can leave at any time. You just got to click your heels together. Like, it'll be like really intense. And she's like, got to use the weapon, the antidote, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it'll be intense. And then she wakes up from her drug trip. Now, what happens when she goes back to this, to this party, right? Is she still at the party? Who's there? Who's alive? Maybe it's the morning after. Okay. And it's just an empty house with the remains of the party. Remains of the party. Yeah, just like trashed house. People passed out on the floor. Alcohol everywhere. And maybe... So she needs a realization other than like oh, it was just a trip. Like, she needs to realize fuckface number one was bad. Bad news. This dipshit was bad news. And this guy was a piece of shit, too. And I gotta not do that again. I'm lucky to be alive, and I've got a new take on everything. Right. And she's gotta, like, go out to the porch and feel the warmth of the sun and have a realization. But... It's got to be that and not just, like, she snaps back to reality. She's got to snap back to reality and realize the scumbag she was around and go out and, like, you know, find herself or find mm-hmm. her new beginning. So, maybe, maybe they, like, you know what we could do, maybe? In this movie, there'll be, like, flashbacks from so it's like wizard of Oz and then it will like flashback and it'll be in the party and it will go to the characters representing the uh, courage, the heart and yep. the brain. And they're kind of talking about like what to do with her when she's unconscious. And mm. maybe like the guy without the brains, like, Oh, well, like he he suggests something stupid and maybe the guy with no hearts, like, well, dude, let's just get the fuck out of here and like, we'll leave her. It's someone else's problem. Like, mm-hmm. we got to get out of here. We don't want to get caught. And then maybe the guy with no courage is like, oh well, uh, we we can't call an ambulance. What if we get arrested? Yeah. What if or, what or if, if, if what I lose? If, some, Brett. Yeah. And like, maybe this is the dilemma. And then there's like people at the party, kind of circle around these three characters. And everyone's kind of torn, and they're, like, going back and forth. Because, like, they're, this is this is crazy. It's an experimental drug. They're
1: hysteric.
0: Right, exactly. And there's an experimental drug. This girl's not dead, but something's wrong with her, and they don't know how to handle it because everyone's fucked up. hmm And they're not good people. So, like, it kind of, like, will go back and forth.
1: So if you're going to do the go back and forth thing, which yeah. I, 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 I was thinking is, like, what you could do is that each time, let's say you have you have a scene, let's say you cut back to the real world, you're going to foreshadow something in the real world that is yep. going to happen when you go back to Oz and vice versa. Right. Because then you're like, and because the reason why I like that is because that at that point, we're not like trying to hoodwink the audience like, ooh, is this an allegory? Like, no, obviously this is 100% a manifestation of where she's physically at. Right. So at that point, once that's kind of out of the bag, now you can really... Breathe in that sort of plot device where you're Bouncing in and out foreshadow this Like you said you say the the people at the party That you know centered on the tin man the lion Whoever those are at the party yeah now the Everyone else is still at that party they're freaking Out maybe they're doing this and this and that Um, Almost animal like Right almost like Primate like yep. Like monkeys
0: Almost yeah All right good stuff <laughs> All right, so we're going to make this happen. It it will happen. It will happen. We're going to get the lead actress on the show. What was her name again? Jillian Murray. She'll be here soon. We'll pitch it to her. Yeah, Johnny Depp's the cameo as Oz. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like this.
1: I uh, I don't have anything left in the tank for the Wizard Rated Wizard of Oz. I love how it started as a Rob Zombie movie. Then we we're like, you know what? Wouldn't that be cool if? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I I'm I'm fucking with that. Um, like I said, don't steal this from us. Uh, we
0: we have a beefy legal team. We will come after you. Um, from yep. what I hear, and so you do not want to mess with the Animalish Legal Team. No. We have an attorney. Okay, we look we good in suits. Substantial <laughs> evidence. <laughs> Of tomfoolery and your bullshit. That's right. We'll fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Legally. With the full weight of Rob Zombie on us. <laughs> we got it. All right.
1: Should we keep going? What I'm thinking is, like, I'm, now I'm just thinking of, like, R-rated adaptations, period. Yeah. Kind of, like, because okay. here's the thing is, like, imagine if we were to, like, just actually, if that were to actually come out, like, you had to right. think, why, if I were to ask you, Ben, why is it that more R-rated movies are, are not made. Why
0: aren't there more R-rated superhero movies? Why aren't there more R-rated adaptations? Uh marketing, money. Who's mm-hmm. gonna Who's gonna spend money like bringing the adolescents into the theaters, into the uh, to buy the merch? For sure. Yeah, that's what it's about.
1: And then from there, you've seen. Have you ever seen Deadpool, Logan, Joker, Deadpool Two? These are all R-rated comic book movies that have been wildly successful financially right. at the box office. What do you make of that? Do you think that that says anything about kind of where the audience is leaning in terms of what kind of stories they want to see going forward?
0: You know, that's a really good point. So there's, I don't know, there's there's, there's different levels of R-rated, you know? True. And yeah. um, let's face it, Reality, the news, the uh, the climate, the social climate of this country. Like, if you had to give it a rating, would it be PG? Would it be PG-13?
1: I would say it is NC-17 <laughs> fronting
0: as PG-13. Right. So, you know, you look at TikTok and the amount of fucked up shit. Young children, kids, pre-teens are exposed to. Mm-hmm. But you're telling me they can't go and, you know, see the Joker movie, right? Because of violence. Because
1: it'll turn them into a fucking serial killer, right? <laughs> right. It's kind of nonsense. It's bullshit. And it makes me think, now, too. Like, real quick, I'll just say, like, yeah. put a pin, because, like, that's a huge point. Is like, this, you hear St. argue with video games. And, like, this is a David Cross, who's comedian comedian, but he's always asked the questions, like, remind me of the uh, violent video games that Hitler played when he was a kid, <laughs> right? Um, that's kind of the point. That's where, that's my take on censorship. Go ahead, Ben.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, also like, you know, absolutely. I don't think kids should see a Rob Zombie film by any means, but, (laughs) and I say this as a kid who grew up on violent, Let's just say I started watching Stallone and Schwarzenegger movies when I was five. I got into horror, like mm-hmm. Michael Myers' Nightmare on Elm Street when I was in third grade.
1: And how many people have you killed since?
0: Um, On the record, of course. <laughs> from what I rem- pe- remember, like none. Good. Tom, okay, interesting. Tom, can you confirm this? Is this factual information? Yeah,
3: he didn't kill
0: anybody. Yeah, right, Awesome. That would hold up. Yeah. So... I mean, it it comes down to parenting, but I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but I think everyone can agree with it. And it's like, I don't know. Um, make movies that are edgier and if it's not containing content that's actually disturbing the kids or most likely in this case, teenagers or preteens, who fucking cares? Right. Because everyone is exposed to fucked up things all the time, like 24-7, and we don't care about that. Mm -hmm. But we're going to care about the amount of blood in a fictitious film or the amount of swear words or whatever it is. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of silly, isn't it? I would agree. I would say
1: the other thing too, and this is, uh, I'll try to be quick with this, but in terms of R-rated movies that I think uh, should be made, and I'm speaking more from a financial perspective than I am an artistic one, Sure. though I think the argument is strong for both, would be a very simple ve- a Venom movie. You know, there's a huge market for Venom. I think he's one of the more iconic uh, Spider-Man villains. I've heard a lot of people complaining. Did you see the the have you seen the last two Tom Hardy Venoms at all?
0: Not yet, but it's on my list for you sure. You are you
1: are not missing much, in yeah. my opinion. They are PG thirteen. I love Tom Hardy as an actor. I think he's a badass. I right. love Mad Max. I don't buy him as Eddie Brock. Yeah. I don't buy Tom Hardy as a neurotic journalist. Right. I just don't. That's not who Tom Hardy is. And I think that combined with the fact that anytime Venom, who is by all available accounts, going to bite your fucking head off and chomp it off. When you cut to, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, you have bloodless violence and you cut here and there and it's very watered down humor. Now, that's something that I think, one, I think it. there's been two Venom movies out now. They've done well at the box office, but I've heard more than a few people say that they're looking for more kind of bite, specifically when it comes to source material like that. And as a horror fan, Ben, I'm kind of curious... Are there any brands or IPs that you feel, not even in terms of R-rated, that you feel could use a revamp, a retelling? I know we just did Wizard of Oz for however long. What is something, a property that you would be excited to kind of tackle with the budget, with the crew, with the production, under your vision?
0: Ooh, interesting. So, are we talking about, like, Marvel DC stuff or just anything in general? It would have to be
1: marketable to a mass audience. It would be released in theaters. So you'd gotcha. be releasing to the public.
0: Okay. Um, let's see here. What franchise mm-hmm. would give me an idea? Um, That's a good one. I don't. I don't know. Do you have any ideas?
1: I think uh, other than Venom, which I would yeah. absolutely, I think I would tear that in. I would love to see Venom, and this is just me. baby. this yeah. is Venom in the hood. Okay, Venom in a black community. This is the way I view Venom. Right. Is do you know how you've heard how like the um, the when the war on drugs the government would like put drugs into low income communities to like kind of perpetuate violence and whatnot? Yeah,
0: contraband. Now
1: um, I'm thinking that plot line, but instead of drugs, it's the symbiote.
0: Okay, and interesting. you're
1: be, because this is spoiler alert for uh, Spider-Man No Way Home post credit scene. Again, spoiler alert for that. The post credit scene in No Way Home implies that Venom is going to be in the MCU.
0: Ooh, interesting. Now
1: the problem with that is very simple, and if they could over, if they could fix this one problem, it'd be great. It would have to be PG thirteen again. I mean, you'd have to reinvent it. Now, here's the thing, though, is that... Have you seen Black Panther?
0: Uh, I saw a little bit, but what? I, wa- I walked out of the theater.
1: No, just no, I'm not judging. <laughs> uh, I liked Black Panther personally. I was objectively overhyped, but from a cultural perspective, I completely respect why it got the sure. praise that it did. The thing I liked about Black Panther, though, was the villain Killmonger played by Michael B. Jordan. Uh-huh. People think there's, if you've heard, people love Eric Kilmonger as a villain because he was trying to take vibranium, which is like valuable in the MCU, yeah. which I think is like high-tech weapons, and bring it to to black communities in the hood. It was a very cutting-edge plot for Marvel at the time, right? Right. We need to equip our people. Now, I'm thinking that this Venom, R-rated, in the hood, black protagonists specifically, yeah, with a little bit of a futuristic edge to it, you have vibranium has made its way into the hood okay now they are kind of fighting back on their oppressors they're blowing up government buildings they're doing this and that they're wreaking havoc and oscorp whatever it is is a little fucking scared right that's when they release the symbiote into the community okay but who are they going to give it to yeah now my vision is a ex-military amputee with ptsd right black man he's a he's had a raw deal in life and he is very disenfranchised, not only by uh, his society as a whole, but by his own community, right? There's violence happening all around, drugs, this and this and that. Now, the government's kind of like, okay, they're getting a little overzealous and they have these weapons, so we need to balance the scale. Right. You, my friend, and that's why I see um kind of like a very slick-talking, sort of like silver-tongue Oscorp executive coming in. Yeah. And very much like manipulating this character. Okay. Being like, you're at you're at your wits end, essentially. What if I told you that you could you know be powerful again, that you could be this person? And that is that is the inciting incident of in the movie. He becomes Venom. He starts wreaking fucking havoc in in his own community because yeah. of all the violence in there. But of course, if it's a movie, it can't go according to plan. Now shit gets out of whack. Now maybe after Venom is taking control of this community, he's fucking people up. He's ruining drug deals you know he's doing all this and this and that he's going crazy well it can't stop there he's Venom now right, right. and so I guess that's kind of my hook for that's my angle into an R rated Venom movie is an urban modern edge um, very obviously R rated feel to it one that's visceral one that doesn't hold back and I think has something to say culturally okay that's my personal take on a Venom movie
0: Yeah, that's cool That's that's interesting I like that I think that's <clears> – <throat> yeah, you should write an article on that. Have you ever thought about it? I am. I'm writing that Are you back. really? Well, I'm doing a my, artic-
1: my first article for Animalist, by the way, which you'll be able to read very soon, my friends, is why Venom should be R-rated. And I don't break down the, the my idea like that, but right. I definitely go into a lot of what we've been talking about. I have directors who I think should do it. I know financially why it hasn't happened, but then I used movies like Logan, Deadpool as kind of like um, – a precedent for why those movies can be financially successful and still be authentic to the type of stories they want to tell that's excellent so that's kind of my thing let me read back to your question though i'm going to narrow it down for you you have to pick a slasher franchise okay i don't care whether it's currently successful or it's run into the ground right now right a, a popular slasher ip that you get your take on you get one movie yeah you get all the means and resources you want but you get one film and you get one franchise okay What's that movie going to look like?
0: Like to reboot it,
1: to reboot it, to remake it, to add a sequel, whatever you want to do. But you only get one movie,
0: one movie, and okay. you get one franchise. Oh, okay. This is a good one. Let's see here. Mm, what do I think was cool? In theory, but the execution was shit.
1: God, too many th- to pick. Yeah,
0: exactly. Do reveal. you have any favorite like ho- like slashers? Like, do you have any favorite like killers? Oh, boom, I got this, dude. Fuck yeah. Dude, for sure. Um, So there's a 90s film called Disturbing Behavior. I believe it was 1998. Mm. It's not liked by critics. It's got... Let's see here. Who is in it? Kitty Holmes, Nick Stahl, James... Madsen I think his name is so some sort of popular people from the 90s mm-hmm. I like it I it's a fun horror film it's what's the premise? so this kid and his family moved to this like town in the Pacific Northwest his brother died so they're starting over new and he's in this new school in this new town and the high school is like really clicky so you've got all these like this is 90, so it's, like, super badass, too. Mm-hmm. So you got, like, the stoners and the goths and the skaters and okay. the jocks and all this. Right. And the school's, like, really clicky and split up. But all the, like, popular kids and stuff are, like, part of this, like, weird cult. Mm. And the first people that befriend him are, like, this this grungy chick and, like, this, like, stoner conspiracy theorist dude. And they're telling him about, like... Yeah, something's fucked up in this town and whatever.
1: Don't drink the water, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, like, these are the first people he'd be friends, and this town's kind of spooky, and there's something going on. And it turns out that, like, all the parents of these kids are connected to this program at the school that the school sponsors, where, like, it's this, uh, this team of, like, psychologists or doctors or whatever, And the kids get adopted into this program, and it's, like, troubled kids who have high potential but aren't reaching it. And with their parents' approval, the school sends them to this program, and these doctors, like, implant this chip in them that, like, sort of controls them in a sense, where it, like... And it's explained where it like it manages their hormone levels and their focus and stuff. So all these like bad kids start to become on honor roll and really become like focused on athletics and stuff. And but then these like chips have a malfunction and when they malfunction, like their hormone levels like go up and they become like crazy and can't control themselves. So like the dudes become like really creepy towards chicks and like then they get into these like violent fights and um, it it's actually it's kind of an interesting story. It, it's it's not horror in the sense of like straight up horror, but it's right. just like it's some elements. Right. Yeah, it's got some elements of different stuff. And so this dude who's new to this town, his friends start getting um, taken into this program And it's just him and this chick, this grungy chick, and he's trying to stop it. And then, like, you know, he's just basically getting attacked by all these people. And it's, like, a creepy cult, and, like, the football team, like, invades his house, and they, like, break... That sounds like a pretty
1: fucking good movie.
0: It's pretty cool, actually. And there's, like, this creepy janitor guy that, like, gives him all this info... And he, like, lives in the basement of the school and he, like, is obsessed with rats and stuff. (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Wait, what's the movie called Disturbing Behavior? Yeah.
0: Gotta have a better title, but, like... But, anyways, I've always wanted, like, if I had the budget and, like, the resources to, like, redo that film in, like, a really good, like... So what does that look like? Honestly, I wouldn't change too much. I would probably just add some more intensity because the era it came from which was like 1998 mm-hmm. um like it's awesome to reflect on cuz it's like nostalgic but there is just such corniness like yeah especially if you remember there's all these like uh god what the fuck was it it's was like these movies like she's all that and like all these corny like teenage rom-com things and shit like Mm -hmm. it was just a really corny era yeah and so like i would execute it i would keep a lot of the stuff the same but i would just add more emotion and more energy and more edge to it maybe different filming techniques um different actors and parts to sell it more Mm -hmm. a little Um, more punch to it yeah but i don't know i really like it disturbing like, behavior i'll have to check that out most people don't know what it is either i never and heard it's, of it. it's it's i don't know how popular it was let's google it um let's see what the budget was and let's see here
1: So a big shout out to our producer, Tom, for killing the audio. Tom makes fire music, and you will
0: hear it at some point. Shout out, Tom. All right, so this movie got 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, nice. 80% of Google users like the movie.
1: Mixed reviews, shall we say.
0: (laughs) All right, Wikipedia, let's see what the budget was. It had a budget of fifteen million, box office of seventeen million. They're so probably not gonna get a sequel anytime soon. <laughs> right. Well and all these like teenagers are like in their fifties now. So <laughs> they'll still cast him as high schoolers. <laughs> uh, okay. James Mardson was the lead. So I believe he was the guy in the Sonic movie. Oh yeah, I know. He was in the. I don't know why I think of the movie Hop. He was
1: in that movie too. Yeah, he's a he's a good looking dude. Yeah, I think back then he was pretty popular. Did he you might... see the the Sonic movie? No. Okay, I only saw it twice, and I was baked as shit both times. But I actually enjoyed it. I thought Jim Carrey was the best I'd seen him in years. <laughs> nice. Who's the main villain in Sonic? Eggman or something like that. Yeah. He was honestly Jim. Jim Carrey brought a lot to that role, even for like a little kid's movie. I thought that movie. It hit for what it needed to.
0: Not to get political, but, like, you should see Sonic. Let's see here. Here, hold on. I'm going to read... So I shit on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm going to read some of their negative reviews just so you can see how pretentious the haters are. Well, it did get an audience score of 39%, so that's fairly... Accurate, but like I said, like people don't like this. I do.
1: Ben Ben is the thirty nine percent minority on. What's it called? Disturbing behavior. Yeah. Ah, oh, that that's just that's not a good title for that movie. There's could be a lot better titles. I feel like. I think it's intriguing because it could be a variety of things. It is, maybe and maybe it that's is, its flaw. It could be, but I just I don't know. Maybe it was. You said the execution of the movie wasn't all that stellar as well. Yeah.
0: Let's see. Uh, Alright, I'll read some negative reviews from uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Lots of shots are held for upwards of a minute, too. I know that's not much, but if you're ambitious enough to gain substance from something other than nice belly buttons, you take what you can get. Okay. <laughs> Unlike Scream 2, which kids the horror glitches, Who's writing this shit? Are these actual people that are... Tom, are these people being paid? I don't know. Disturbing behavior pretends they still hold power. Period. But the movie is light on shocks and not ever scary. Dude, these people are... I feel like I'm reading Facebook comments. (laughs) On, like, an NFL tread or something. Like, these people have no grammar. And these are Critics? That's from, Roger, that's from Roger Ebert. What did Roger Ebert say again? Okay, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read it the way he wrote it, so you can okay. listen to how terrible the grammar and punctuation is. All right. Unlike Scream 2, which kids the horror cliches, cliches is spelled wrong, disturbing behavior pretends they still hold power, but the movie is light on shocks and not ever scary. It's like, uh, so I would have wrote that when I was like seven. And that's Roger Ebert. What the fuck? Rest in peace. Okay.
1: Damn. So I guess that kind of gets me thinking is like, that that was a
0: (laughs) 90s kind of type movie. Hold on. I could have had some more negative reviews. One not written by a (laughs) nine-year-old. Dude, I could do it. surely it's a definite solid thriller with very good performances it just could be so much more with a little polish on the screenplay okay well like that's kind of what i want to do to it i guess in, in a sense cool kids go crazy why don't the nerds ever rise up that's a negative review two out of five like what I definitely was
1: getting invited to a lot of parties in high school. He was waiting to fire out that review.
0: <laughs> the filmmakers have such contempt for their target teenage audience, they don't bother with explanations. Uh, it's a pretty simple plot to understand. <laughs> Roger Ebert. Are you kidding me? Dude. Are you a Roger Ebert fan? Do you? No, but I know he's he's famous, obviously. It's like the makers of this film were so desperate to get a film together that they went to a horror paint-by-numbers book to get everything they needed. What does that mean? Okay. Is the movie cliche, do you think? In terms of like how it elicits the scares? Yeah, well, like... I wouldn't even say there's a lot of scare. Like, it's... It's not a horror, it's a thriller. So it's like, um... Oh, what's the term? It's kind of like the original Michael Myers, the original Halloween 78. Like, it wasn't scary, it was startling. Mm, There you go. Yeah. Okay. Mardson has blue eyes and clean cut looks tailor made for a bop pinup and all the emotional depth and acting range of the page it would be printed on. Oh. Okay, like that's scathing, (laughs) but like that's kind of clever. A high concept horror picture that squandered its premise from the first frame. (laughs) Okay, like the first frame is just someone getting killed. Oh, but her name is Maitland McDonoghue, Film Journal International. Dude, I should get some of these people on the podcast and call them out. Literally just talk about their review the whole time. Widget, Widget Walls, that was one of them. Oh my gosh, dude. Ugh. Okay. So not many of those are that valid. I mean like they could even say anything like coherent, but
1: how do you feel about uh movie film criticism in general? Like I've seen it's a pretty loaded topic like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, for example. Like is um I've heard a lot of controversy over. It. Some people say well, it's um, it's a successful algorithm. You know, it's blah, blah, blah. Other times it can kind of distort the way people actually do feel about a movie composed to what a few people feel about it. How do you feel that like film criticism as it is today in 2021 um, plays a role in terms of like, will people go, do you think people are influenced by it? Do you think it's a
0: necessary art? Do you think it's valid? I think it's 50-50. So I hate Rotten Tomatoes. If they tell me something's bad, I'll probably go see it. Just because they told you it yep. sucked. And Tom likes Rotten Tomatoes. He usually agrees with the critics. So it kind of just depends on the person and what they're into. So, like, there's this Schwarzenegger movie called the End of Days. And I think is a awesome, fantastic film. And I think they give it, like, a 36% or something. And to me that just doesn't make sense we've got one of the most profitable blockbuster superstars of all time in a film that's really different for that style it was kind of that action horror thing like i want to do It was very dark it was timely it was during y2k i think it came out in like 99 or whatever so like I thought CGI was perfect at that point because they didn't, no one depended on it, but they utilized it to do cool shit, Mm -hmm. like Independence Day, Matrix, original Matrix, like Terminator Two, like I think that was the perfect era for special effects and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they shit on that, and then films. Like God, what, Tom. What was that? The Invisible Man. It's just a fucking piece of shit. It's such a terrible the movie. The newer one. Yeah. Did you not like it? I hated it. I I was a fan of it. I thought it was good. Oh okay. Why so did, I, Why did you not like it? I'm curious. They got They got the characters wrong, and it was well. I hated the actor. Like I thought the guy, the actor was awful. Like it, it just didn't fit the. So they tried to make and. I think Tom brought up this point and it was really good. Like they tried to make him like he was this hunk kind of guy, but it didn't work for the character where it should have been some like Elon Musk type of like weird nerdy introverted science guy.
1: I actually think that's a good point. I think I know what you mean. He was definitely more of like a brutish sort of like, Right, um, bronze centric, like fucking yeah. asshole. So it's like, <laughs> and how it is he really be, like an elite like physicist or whatever the hell he did? Right. that's actually a part of it. I, yeah, that didn't ruin the movie for me right. because I thought Elizabeth. I think it was Elizabeth. What the fuck is her, the main?
0: So her I movie. hate the main actress. I like, like. I despise her. her. Elizabeth. Elizabeth her. No, what's her name? Elizabeth Michelle Williams. Something. No, Elizabeth she just, something. She I thought was good.
1: Yeah, I, I can't. I bought so, her trauma. I bought her yeah. this and that. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. That's who okay. it is. I th- I personally thought that I yeah. I also like Le- Lee Lee Won a lot as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and I thought he did a really he 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 made the type of Invisible Man movie that I would like to see. Okay, but I will give you that the Invisible Man himself, like, okay, if he's like an abusive like asshole, yeah, y- you have to pick an angle on him, and I feel like they just were kind of like he's he's a big. Big head, like abusive dickhead, and he's like a genius, like this and this and that. I'm like the Invisible Man. It has to be subtle and, you know, kind of under the table in his approach. And
0: I think that was lost with the movie. And I think that's is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah, and I think things were executed in the movie, like, and like Hollywood does this all the time. Like they execute it, trying to make it seem like it's this big, epic, interesting thing, and it's really just a mess. And this happens all the time, but people will see it and they'll think it's creative because they can't like piece it together really. But they don't realize that they're watching a mess because it's compiled with, um, effects and good looking camera work and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I always ask myself, like, this is the ultimate question, I think, to tell if a story is good or not. Um you know, say this film is a hundred million dollar budget. Could you do this scene and it have it with the same impact if you were doing it for free with friends on a camcorder? Mm, right. See. And to me, that's, that sort of is sort of universal for uh, defying what's a good story or a good like scene or a good film. It's a good point. Like... You know, uh, Frankenstein, you could do that story or even the theme. Like you could do that with a hundred million dollar budget or a hundred dollar budget. Mm-hmm. You can go to your fucking local Halloween express and buy some cool shit and film it. Right. Or it could be like a Hollywood, uh, motion picture. Um, what's another one? Like, you know, even like a Fast and Furious, like some of the s- iconic scenes from those films. Like, yeah, if you're broke, you're not going to have the challenger and an actor like Paul Walker or something, but you could take the dialogue and the characters and the setting and you could replicate the story and it would still be good, right? I like,
1: actu- I might actually disagree with you use Fast and Furious because I enjoy those movies for the popcorn mindless entertainment right. that they are, and I think the however however, hundred million dollar budget is the primary draw because you can send them to space you can put them in a tank you can put them this and that the dialogue in those movies and I actually do am a fan of the franchise is horseshit
0: it's not why you're seeing the movie I agree Um, but like my point is you know, uh, the the one where Paul Wark- Walker dies and, you know, there's that infamous yeah, ending Fast and, and whatever. Seven. Mm-hmm. You, you could shoot this scene of him on the beach, like, reminiscing when the dude's, like, playing with his kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could technically shoot that for free. You could. You know, like, good good scenes like that. Now, like, like uh, 90% of everything else, absolutely not, because that's all right. it is, is the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. And... I think I think I agree with you. I would argue that, and
1: I think i just you use the Fast and Furious yeah. example, so that's what I'll go with. Is like let's start with go back to Invisible Man. Like I yep. think for Invisible Man, you make a pretty good point in that. Like I am a I am an admittedly I'm an admitted slut for good camera work and good aesthetic presentation. Right, and I think the Invisible Man hits that mark for me. Sure, I like the way Le- Lee one L moves the camera. I like the way the suspense builds. This and this and that. But at the end of the day. Um, You're kind of litmus-, litmus test of like, if this is really good cinema, this is truly a good story. Could you film it in your backyard with right. the amount of, with energy with the right energy? Mm-hmm. That's important. But when you take a big budget blockbuster franchise like Fast and Furious, I, I think that is inherently linked to the resources that they have in terms of pulling off these stunts. Nobody is going to a Fast and Furious movie going, man, I really hope that. Vin Diesel's uh, character dynamic is really explored in this movie. Like, no, you just want to (laughs) see shit blow up and like, oh, oh, I heard they're going to go to space in this one. Like, let's see if they actually do. Nobody's taking those movies fucking seriously. Right. That doesn't mean that they're not going to make a shit ton of money they have. That's why there's 75 of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the end of the day, it does depend on the film. That's why I've always, always loved horror is because you can make it on a shoestring budget. Yeah. But if the person behind the camera knows what the fuck they're doing, that shit can pop.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, totally. That's I've I, I've actually I've said that same thing like multiple times before too.
1: Mhm. And I think, you know, and obviously you could take obvious examples like old Blair Witch, paranormal activity, blah blah blah, and those are great cornerstones for it, but I even look at, you know, something like um that's why I think I like A twenty four, and I know I don't know how, if you know anything about like A twenty four. Like they're a pretty popular like indie film company, and they're kind right. of their their game plan is very simply to give like small to like mediocre budgets to like talented filmmakers and be right. like, let's see what you can do. Sure, you can tell whatever story you want. You can make it as fucked up, weird, abstract as you want. But this is the budget. This yeah. is what you're getting. Blumhouse also does this, but Blumhouse is more of a mass distributing. They make more. Um, you know, popcorn kind of eh, like uh, I I'm not gonna say shitty, but um, they, they it's more pandering horror yeah. like uh, Truth or Dare or right any of the million movies they make. And the,
0: I think a lot of those ones are fun too. They are fun. Like yeah.
1: I I will always go see there's them. There's a place like, for them. Fantasy Island was one that they made, which like you know, there's a million blum. Um, they're yeah. not good. I'm not seeing them because I'm trying to like be like move. But like that's a cool premise. I'm a sucker for a good a high concept idea. You
0: know what yeah. I'm saying? So I I really liked Happy Death Day. I thought that was Happy
1: Death Day was good. They made a sequel of that too.
0: They did, and that mm-hmm. was actually good too. Like The main actress, oh bro, she's she's <laughs> she's really good in movie, her role, but like movie oh, Bueno. Um Yes, yeah, so I'd like I'd like to see more horror films like that too. Where like it's just fun and badass, but it doesn't take itself too seriously, yes. but seriously enough. One hundred. I think that's a, that's the key point right there. Is Happy
1: Death Day was good to me because it was kind of if you saw the second one, is Happy Death Day to you. That the first one was more like horror leaning like right. into comedy. The second one was, I think, more comedy than horror.
0: Oh, absolutely. And 100%. that's what I like
1: to see from. It's like the when a movie has self awareness, even if it's dog shit, even if it's bad, I give it. A, I give it credit. Right. You know what I'm saying because the movie knows what it is. Right. And when a movie knows what it is, it has way more agility and it, in my eyes, I'm I'm going to be way more forgiving with it. Yeah, totally. You know? Hell yeah. But that's kind of you got you got me thinking but you know you're talking about like uh, you know, you were talking about rotten tomatoes and and this and this and that. And we talked about film criticism a little bit, but I'm curious for you in terms of like how do you do you decide a movie is good before you've seen it? How much do you let your best friend or the your most trusted review source influence not only whether you're not going to see a movie, but how you feel about it going in. Do you like to st- stay pretty open minded with a movie until you've seen it, or are you just kind of like, go? Do you do you feel like you're good at keeping that bias away, or do you feel like you? I judge to the
0: fuck out of movies. Okay, and I have no problem walking out of the theater, and I've had people like laugh at that, like you paid money, why not just sit through it? I'd be like, well, because of the fact that I paid money, hard-earned money to <laughs> see it, me walking out makes me feel good that their art was so shitty, I was willing to, hey, I paid for this next hour and 20 minutes, but I'd rather go like do something else. Right. So what was the last movie you walked out of, if you can remember? Uh, M- Malignant? Oh, I never, I didn't see that. Was that yeah. James Wan's newest movie? Why yeah. did you walk out of Malignant? So, here's another thing. I've, <clears throat> I know if movies are going to be good or not. And I would say the first five minutes. And I've never been wrong on that. Especially, like, if I walk out and I, like, m- re-look at the movie. Or, like, scenes of it or whatever. Um, That's just, I've. I've got my head so wrapped into it. I can tell as far mm-hmm. as like, if I'm going to like it or not, because I know what the tropes are. And I know how many of these Hollywood writers just, uh, continue on with the same cycle. It's like watching pro wrestling on TV. Like I can literally tell if something's going to be good or not. Cause I've seen it so many times and I know how uh, there's such a lack of creativity. Um, um, one benefit is I can also tell, like, you know, uh, I I like to support my movie theaters. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I think we got to keep this alive. Absolutely. Uh, a, a group of strangers going to public, a public place to appreciate art. It's very rare. It's going to die. S- like it. going to die someday. I want the, this generation of kids to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to do that is to buy concessions, right? And so I, um, I like to buy beer at the theater. Um, When Tom comes with me, you know, he'll buy beer. Um, uh, Heavily marked up prices, and they're getting the profit, and that's helping keep the theaters open. So you're drinking for a cause, right? Very hot take that I agree with. Yep. So, anyways, like obviously, you drink a beer, you got to go to the bathroom, you know, take a leak. So I can tell in a movie when I get that like minute, like during dialogue, during setting up the story. go rip a piss. Yep. Yep. And I'm always right on it. I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I got to go. Cause right now, like is that moment. You can feel the beats like subconsciously. You're like, all right, Uh this
1: is the, this is the slow down. Exactly. Like verbatim,
0: like the exact frame. Mm -hmm. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, the scene's in the exact same spot it was before. Mm -hmm. Like nothing has progressed. And because I knew this dialogue was going to stretch out for a minute and 20 seconds mm-hmm. and the bathroom was literally around the corner yep. and we're good to go. So, awesome. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I really like to walk out of films. I've done it a lot. Um, so why I walked out of malignant. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, hold on. Let's see what Google says. It, it's, it is malignant, malignant. I believe, yeah. Okay. So, you know, they talked so much, and this is like the new thing, and it's going to be so good, and whatever. Well, this
1: James Wan. James Wan's one of the most respected right. horror directors of the 2010s,
0: right? And so I, I saw, like, the trailer, I couldn't quite piece it together. I'm like, this could be good, but I have a feeling it's just going to be like the same shit. Mm. And I've talked about my problems like the shock for the sake of shock but with a ton of these mainstream Hollywood films it's oh that you know this girl's the main character what's her issue Uh she was raped and she had an abortion and her husband shot himself in the face and this is why she's where she is like as if trauma equals intrigue exactly right and it's lazy writing and why is everything got to be so dark and if it's like if it if it is dark, why can't it be dark in a different way? It's got to like, and these demon possession movies are the, always the same. It's like the the youngest child's possessed by a demon from creepy ha-
1: kid. Ooh, the kids, right? Seat. Oh, I hate that shit.
0: Everything is just the same, and they redo it over and over and over again, and it's gonna keep doing that until the next paranormal activity or the next saw comes out, the next thing that's the game changer. Mm-hmm. And then everything's going to do that for the next five years verbatim. Like it's so predictable. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's why I want to write, I'm going to plug myself here. Go for it. Do it. to your podcast. <laughs> I've got a book coming out on coastal West publishing. That's coastal west.ca. ca. My first book will be coming out sometime in February or March. I call this Action Horror Ultraviolence. So the storytelling I'm going to do for my books and hopefully in the future my movies is horror films with action-themed plots. I'm inspired by the action movies of Stallone and Van Damme and Schwarzenegger from the 80s. It's fast-moving. It's to the point. You got a villain. You got a hero. The hero has a goal. There's obstacles in the path put in their way by the villain. They've got to overcome the obstacles. Good has to defeat evil. And this is in a horror setting, right? This is how my storytelling is going to go. And we're going to move quickly. And it's going to be visually stimulating and entertaining, And I'm not going to have 20-minute opening sequences of who fucking raped who (laughs) and who fucking shot whose baby in the face. None of that shit. We're done with it. We need something to cheer for. We need something to boo. It's wrestling. This is all pro wrestling, right? People love to cheer. People love to boo. Mm -hmm. In the end, the ultimate story arc at the very end the good guy wins, right? So why can't horror filmmakers tell that story? Why can't there be someone you want to root for for reasons other than their abuse or trauma? Which, by the way, like, it doesn't even complete the story. It's just like, this person is abused and has trauma. And that's it. Are you crying? And now, scary. Yeah, now scary shit's happening. <laughs> exactly. To them. You know, there is no arc. There is no goal. There is no obstacle for them to overcome. And then good doesn't overcome evil, which is how a story needs to end. It's Very simple. This is what act one, act two, and act three should lead to. Oh, but what if evil wins? That's not interesting. There's no reason to invest. You know? Like, if your team had no chance to win the Super Bowl ever, why would you watch any of the games? Even if they sucked, there's a margin, a slim margin of a chance. I say this as a Vikings fan, (laughs) that they might technically, mathematically win the Super Bowl. You're going to watch the games and be engaged with them. Right? Why would you just, like, what if you just fixed the Super Bowl and the winner was picked every year? Would you watch the, would all these teams and their market, like, would they watch the games? Like, no. It's, it's, it's asinine. So anyways, so this movie, same fucking shit. It's just a woman abused, you know. Spoiler alert, like her husband abuses her and she's got a baby and she had a miscarriage and she miscarriages this baby and this abusive husband shoots himself. and But she doesn't move out of this house where all this happened just because it's her home. And we need a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so bad things started happening in this home. And this is when I walked out and I'm like, I know this is going to be just a massive piece of horseshit. And I was right.
1: The tragedy porn setup is just, you know, you can see the strings behind the puppet right. when you are sitting there in the theater. Like first five minutes, you are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can tell by the momentum in the beginning. What is the? How is the opening hit? Is it just the exposition
0: build up? Is there a cold open? Like, is
1: there horror elements introduced
0: right away? Uh, with this one, it was literally just like any other generic shitty horror film you've ever seen in a theater. So it's just like. There's no cold open. There's no attention-getting device. It was just like, you know, whatever. Woman's in bed with her husband. There's dramatic music. And they're fighting. And then he, you know, they're fighting about, you know, a baby. Whatever. And then he hits her. And then she locks him out of the room. And then, uh, yeah, it's just like it's not even done in a way like that's, uh, it's just garbage. So let me
1: ask yeah. you, um, uh, are you familiar with James Wan's other movies before Belignant? What was the other
0: one? He's made
1: it? Insidious, The Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Aquaman, yeah. Fast and Furious 7. So he's got a pretty diverse filmography and he's also made Saw. He made yep. the first Saw movie. Oh, with right, 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 Um, What did you, you have any opinion? Have you seen Insidious, The Conjuring? Um, a lot of people say those are some of the most paramount horror movies that have come out in the 2010s i have
0: a high opinion of them but they are not like the pinnacle of it. um i think the first conjuring was good i like the universe idea i -hmm. think that part is cool how it ties together but any of them that i've seen like since the first one i thought were shit because it's just the same the same stuff Mm -hmm. No.
1: Um, let me ask you real quick. Have you seen? You familiar with the Saw franchise? Yes. Do you have an opinion on the Saw franchise?
0: Yeah, there's actually a big article on it, and the Militia podcast, or I mean the Militia website. I might have it. What was your angle on Saw again? I forget. I honestly don't even remember, but um, basically, so the very first film was low budget. They filmed it like 18 days in one location. Um, they couldn't afford actors so they had the screenwriter do the acting which Mm -hmm. was terrible and it became a great film Mm -hmm. and then I don't know it got bigger so basically from that first film some were bad after that some were good Um, it became just a gore fest the more money it had Mm -hmm. Spiral was good did you like Spiral? I did. Why? Um, Man, it's been a while since I've seen it. I like the cinematography, and the camera work. I thought Chris Rock was surprising. He was surprising. Like, he sold it, he was good, and he was, like, intense. Hmm. Um, The only thing I didn't like was the twist was obvious, which wouldn't have been that bad, but the the guy like the villain if you want to call it just wasn't believable i completely agree if he was someone you would want to hate it would have been like cooler or if they were able to use him but have the twist be less obvious um everything else i kind of liked um i kind of liked how they took modern events and used it for the catalyst of the plot, but they did it without being preachy, so it kind of made it relevant. I don't know. I had a good time. I would. I would agree with that. my My thoughts on Spiral were one.
1: I do you know Chris Rock was actually it was his idea for the the hook of the movie. He like really. He I don't know if he wrote the screenplay, but he came to whatever studio and was like, "I want to make this." Right. I like Sam Jackson. Yeah. I like Sam Jackson, the movie. Oh, for sure. Right. And um, I think they probably could have used him more, but I completely get why they probably weren't able to. Right. Now, in terms of the cinematography, I didn't think it did anything to stand out from the last five or six Saw movies, the very like quick cut, rapid editing like that. And that can work. I thought the traps were interesting. Although, if you remember the movie, um, it was... I didn't like the way they revealed the traps. Like, they would show you what happened in the trap. Yeah. And then they would cut to the beginning of the trap. I'm like, that's just not suspenseful. Like, I already know this outcome. Yeah. Um. I did like the allegory. I thought it was subtle enough, even especially for a sign movie where I was like, okay, Saw. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll give you credit. I like Chris Rock. I didn't think that it was that funny. And I know right. it tried to be, and I didn't think it was. Right. Um. I, I also thought the villain was uh, not believable at all. I didn't buy that shit for a second. <laughs> right. It was... That I I do like the Saw movies though people can call it torture porn all they want I I enjoy that man because I don't care about the the bullshit detective shit that they're pushing every movie I I like to see the traps I like to see the creativity yeah. of like what kind of fucked up situation like the um I forget what size. maybe saw four or five the the shotgun carousel right that's right. a fucking sick trap oh you yeah know for I mean? sure do you have a favorite Saw trap in any of the movies I don't know how well you remember them but
0: oh man um. So I, these aren't my favorites per se. This is the, these are the first two that come to my mind. Mm-hmm. So I want to say it was like I don't know five or six or six and seven. But at the beginning of one of them, it, I think it was the final chapter. Where those two guys are like in a battle room, and they each have like a circulating saw, and then the girls in the middle that like cheated on both of them, and it's just like go at it. That was pretty intense. Mm -hmm.
1: Because it's personal, right? Right. There's an angle other than the the fucked up scenario that they find themselves in. I think that's where Saw was at its best. And And um,
0: it's actually an interesting point, too, because these people are obviously, you're rooting for them and they're like uh, the good guy, but it's kind of like the The villain, who's obviously insane and evil, has he's like the Joker. Like Mm -hmm. the shit he says, kind of makes sense, right? And his motives, method, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the shotgun carousel. I think the cringiest one I think is when they have to. I think it was in the movie before where they got to do like the pounds of flesh and like the dudes like. One the guy's, fat dude and then the the girl who like chops her arm off. Yeah, because the guys are like literally slicing hunks of muscle and fat off their body, and like it was film. It looked so real, and then the girl's time's running out, so she just it cuts off her own arm. You like, thought that was cringy? Yeah, that was like I don't know. There's something about that that was like, self mutilation. Um, I don't know. It's. That's one thing that really disturbs me, mm-hmm. and I've read stories about like people on drugs and stuff, and yeah. who've like done shit, like cut off their fingers or mm-hmm. cut off someone else's. I don't that shit like disturbs Do me. Do you mean cringy in like a bad way, or just like, oh, I just didn't like watching that? Uh, neither. Like, if your goal to see that movie was to see gore, like it was. I mean, you got what you bar what you wanted, mm-hmm. and. From a storytelling aspect, I mean, like that shit put knots in my stomach. Right, and, like that's why I watched it, right, mm-hmm. to feel something. Mm-hmm. So the art, it succeeded. Mm-hmm. I felt fucking weird for watching, cause I'm um, you know, it takes a lot to make me cringe, but I'm looking at that. It's like God, I don't want to see this. I don't want to watch this. And then it's like, wait, why am I actually watching this then? And, right. But then it's like. Am I getting something? Is this visual giving me something from the story? Right, mm-hmm. and again, you go back to the villain and his mind games and what his motives are, and it's interesting, right? Absolutely, it is. I think that it kind of gets me thinking too. Is like uh, this is the first
1: time you know I've, I've known you for a few months, been Where I like I feel like you have a pretty um, tender, like you're pretty like rough palate when it comes to getting disturbed. My question to you is: What's a scene in a movie that you could a more obscure example that has fucked with you, oh, in a way that damn. you wouldn't expect, right? One that you it's not like
0: an obvious answer. Oh man, damn! I know there's there's something. I hope I don't skip over it because I know that there's something like really fucked up. Um, well, to be honest, like Dumbo. It, <laughs> Dumbo was. Fucked up. I was very like the child abandonment and Mm -hmm. shit. So like again, like as a kid, I'd watch the Stallone films and the Nightmare on Elm Street and all that. Dumbo, like I wouldn't touch that. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's fucked up. Child abandonment and shit. Yeah. Um. So that's one thing that comes to mind. Um. I don't know, like. Any like cheating? I always yeah. I don't know. I don't like watching that. You know. I hear you. Like people violating each other's trust. For sure. Um. Yeah, I don't know. But um, so we hit about the three hour mark. Did we actually? Yeah. Oh shit! So we gotta we gotta wrap up here. That
1: alright? That was, that shit flew by, man.
0: Yeah, but um. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do another part soon, though. Awesome. Well, I had a great time. Thank yeah. you,
1: all the listeners. Again, India and Turkey in specific, y'all are absolutely killing it. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all listening. Ben, thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited to hop on as creative director. Shout out Tom again for producing. I had a great time tonight. Thank you, boys.
0: All right. Have a good night, everybody.
2: Are you going to go?